does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. And a good Wednesday morning, Kevin Bowe and Jake Query and Mark Dykton. It is supposed to be a really nice day from a temperature standpoint. You know, I was driving down to Bloomington after the show yesterday to um, teach my class, and all of a sudden I'm looking over the JW Marriott and half the uh, Indy 500 decal going up, and I'm like, you know what? These are the signs of May right now. These are the signs of let's, May. Let's go. Uh, Doug Literally Bowles, the signs of May. Literally, yes. Very good point, Mark Dykton. Doug Bowles was out front doing a little pressing. And when you see that sign, you feel the weather that we're going to have today. And then, Jake, if I'm not mistaken, right, cars on the track tomorrow out there? Correct. Uh, tomorrow and Friday, open test. Now, the weather's going to be a little dicey on those days, but uh, we are carrying them. IndyCar.com, where you can follow along on who's doing what on the racetrack so look forward to being out there tomorrow and again on friday i'm also a shameless plug videotaping tomorrow with our digital team for another year of beyond well oh, nice. i guess uh, the gold badge we called it the gold badge that was great last year uh any tease of where we can um potentially see you you know, last year what we did was just kind of took people around the inside of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway places that you'd probably seen but not really understood exactly what they were. Um, this time I figured what we would do is turn back the calendar even further and take you through exactly when you're at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, where exactly would you have been if you were at that spot in 1908? How did, how did that track come about? So we're going to give you a little behind the scenes of where it all came together i like that um i think we talked about this a few weeks and ago. then after that next year we're out of ideas <laughs> when the uh when the masters was uh underway a few weeks ago i always like to see you know how the course has evolved how the property has evolved over the years those kind of overhead shots of hey this is what it looked like in 19 whatever 46 and this is how it looks present day so inching closer to the month of may getting oval test thursday and friday out there uh the barber race to close out the month and then the month of may obviously arrives in earnest uh we're gonna have alan Karpik here early in the what is it 745 mark he's a yep. typical mm-hmm. not afraid to wake up with us uh some zach Eady news yesterday and declaring for the nba draft so we'll chat about that with him Stephen holder coming up at eight o'clock we haven't done it yet um but i think it's good to squeeze in considering the pacers do have a pick Somewhere in the lottery, we'll find out the exact position of that next month. But Kristen Peake is going to join us to talk a little NBA draft with us to close out the show on this Wednesday. You know, um, Kristen Peake, we were talking about it yesterday, Mark. She's the um, the very talented writer that when we had her on one of the first times, her dog was barking and she yelled at her dog, mm-hmm. which was fun, right? And yeah. so you and I were trying to figure out the dog's name. It hit me as soon as we walked out of here. What Isn't is it? it Gary? Maybe I think that sounds right. I think yeah, Gary's. Right. I think Gary's the name of her and dog. Miller Cops' dog was Ivy. That's right. Two syllable dog names are the best because it, you can accentuate it a little bit. Uh, last night I went for a walk after dinner, and uh, we had a neighbor with a dog named Bell barking. Yeah. 
we ferociously had a, at us. I'd probably a different bell, but when I was a kid growing up, there was a bell across the street. Bell belonged to the Lurtons was a Bouvier. What kind of dog was this bell? Bell was like a little poodle mix. Um, yeah, a lot of energy for Bell late last night. So Kristen Peake from Yahoo Sports going to join us to close out the show from an NBA draft standpoint. Again, eight days away from the NFL draft. We'll talk with Stephen Holder about that coming up in a bit. Uh, but Jake, the big news yesterday, certainly Zach Eady declaring for the NBA draft. Do you view this as might as well get intel, test the waters, take part in the combine, experience all of that, and then return to school? Or do you look at this as uh, Purdue fans are going to be worrying here for the next month and a half? No, I think that you know he made it pretty clear. I'm testing the waters to see. You might as well go through the process, right? You find out where you would slot. How you know what your what range you're looking at, how much money you're looking at, for that matter. And you know he did say, "I'm leaving the door open to return." So I think that Purdue fans knew that this was, you know, you do see guys that declare, Kevin, that will say, "I am entering my name in the NBA draft," and like, "Thank you for the memories." He basically said, "If I have to stay in college, I'd rather do it." nowhere else than Purdue, but I owe it to myself to test and see exactly where I might slot. Now, I do think that he is probably a 35 to 50 player. Um, I think that his ceiling probably, in other words, I don't know that he's a guy that like through the workouts and the the process and everything else is going to elevate his status only because people know exactly what he can do. And it's just a matter of where his game fits in the modern NBA. But he does have a, a, a really nice touch, obviously. He's a good passer. I mean, he does a lot of things that there is a place for him in the NBA. I just don't know that it's a place that you would spend a top 20 pick on. And so I think he's got a pretty good idea of where he's going to slot. And, you know, I don't know. Then it comes down to, Kevin, whether or not he's thinking to himself, does Zach Eady have a definitive – is there a place in the draft that he has to be in order to to stay in the draft? Yeah, like what does he need to hear? Correct. Or does he just need to hear that he is going to be selected in the first or second round? If that's the case, um, then, you know, it's going to be tough. But Purdue's got some players coming in. Not Obviously not one of his caliber at the center position necessarily, but they've got some athletes coming in, and they have some good pieces coming back. The one thing I will say, if if he were to leave, is, and he's been a wonderful player, but, you know, I, I do think that they have some players at that position that have shown that they've got skill sets that can kind of pick it up by committee if their roles are elevated. I think Caleb First is a really good player. I think Kaufman Wren's a good player. So they can they can get by, but you would obviously rather have them than not. Yeah. You know, we had Greg Doyle on yesterday, and I, it, I was a bit stunned when Greg said that he thinks Purdue would be a top-10 team without Zach Eady. I think that's discrediting Eady way too much. Um, Purdue wasn't hitting wide-open threes with Zach Eady. You know, they obviously aren't going to get as clean of looks without him. Um, I'm not acting like Purdue would fall off a cliff without Eady, but uh, I don't think they would be, or they should be viewed in, in that light if he were to leave. Um I am so intrigued by what Zach Eady will look like at the next level, whenever that happens. Oh, seven foot three, and then black hair. How effective he will be in yeah, the NBA. I totally agree. Um, he is such a unique prospect. Um, you know, obviously the NBA rules don't necessarily cater to a seven four big man just camping out in the lane defensively because there's a defensive three seconds that you don't have in college. 
Um, you could probably look at it a couple of ways, Jake. You know, high-end optimism on Zach Eady at the next level is the guy's played basketball for, what, five years? And he's already this good. You know who I would look liken him to? Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez is a really good player from Milwaukee. On nights when other pieces are not necessarily either on or available, Brooke Lopez is certainly capable at the NBA player or at the NBA level of giving you 28 and 10. Yeah, but Lopez's ability to shoot is just a just a huge outlier. Understood. From he, he's a he can shoot on the outside. There's no doubt. But they slow things down a little bit and utilize him, and he and he can play defense a little bit now. We don't know, because he hasn't been asked to do it, how good an outside shot Edie has. I'm not saying he's a three-point shooter like Lopez. Don't get me wrong. But to your point, Kevin, if you look at how well he has developed in the limited time he's played basketball, who's to say he can't develop an outside shot? He's got a really nice-looking stroke from he the does. foul line. Um, <clears throat> I know Jim Jackson said this quite often whenever he's on Purdue games of, you know, when you watch Edie's form, it, it reminds Jim Jackson. I'm not sure if he played with Yao specifically, but it kind of reminds him a bit of Yao. Um, so I, again, that would be interesting to see if Edie ever tried to go there, um, from a perimeter standpoint. I mean, if you look at the NBA, just this past season, you know, Paulo Boncaro was the NBA rookie of the year. One of the finalists for rookie of the year was Walker Kessler. And I think it was Walker Kessler shot three threes in 1700 minutes. So it's not like a absolute must that Zach Edie has to do that. Um, again, Walker Kessler probably a little bit of a you know better athlete, just kind of laterally, if and when you do need to switch. Uh, but I'm very curious, and we don't know this, but I'm very curious again. What does Zach Eady need to hear to go to the NBA? Because Jake, going back to school, what what would be the reasons to go back to school? Become Purdue's all-time leading scorer, have more team success. I don't think any way he goes back to school necessarily improves his NBA stock. I think you run the risk of injury more than anything if you go back to school. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, if you have... Now, NIL money is probably going to be there for him to the level of NBA money. I have no idea. Doubtful. Yeah, I would guess no. The difference being NBA money, if you're a first-rounder, which he's not going to be probably, but if you are, then you're talking guaranteed money as opposed to just one-year money. I mean, there's a lot to weigh into it. Here's the thing I'm looking at that, that has him... Um, comparison of you know a bigger Zubach with a little Yao Ming and with less size and mobility. I, Boban, Boban as well, yeah. You know, again, I think that sells them a little bit short because those guys. The thing about Edie, and I've always said this about Rick Spence. You guys have heard me say it a million times. When Rick Spence first came into the league. You could see the gears turning in his head. It wasn't instinctive. Once it became instinctive, he was a really good offensive player. And in Zach Eady's case, it, it does look instinctive. Like he doesn't have to stop and think about what he's going to do. And he's got a very good touch and idea of where he is around the basket all the time. He's got a great touch. Yeah. He's got a great touch. And, you know, I remember when Marquette played them earlier in the year and Shaka Smart was had plenty of praise for Zach Eady afterwards in that, you know, the thing that impressed Shaka the most was usually with big guys, you've got to ramp them up. You, you, you're you begging them for energy. You're begging them to play on both ends of the floor, you know, full motor at, at a high level. That is not a worry with Edie. Stamina was great all season long. You know, he didn't get into foul trouble much. All of those things. Uh, Matt Painter was on with JMV yesterday, just in typical Painter fashion. 
outstanding interview on a variety of topics. Here was the snippet, though. Um, uh, Painter's thoughts on Zach Eady declaring for the draft. You know, he's still, you know, trying to gather a lot of facts and kind of figure out where he stands with everything. You know, I just want him to do what's best for him. I, I think a lot of people always look at it like the head coach is just trying to convince you to come back. And, you know, I look at it like I wish I was in his position. And, you know, I just want, you know, for him to make the best decision for himself, gather all the facts and make that decision and then support him in whatever he does. If he decides to go to the NBA, support him. If he comes back to Purdue, support him. Like just, just continue to help your players, continue to want what's best for them. Painter seemed pretty confident from an NIL standpoint that they had some things in place for Zach Eady if he does indeed come back. Uh, May 16th, NBA Draft Combine. May 31st is the date that he would have to... Um, that's the deadline for withdrawing his name from the draft and returning to Purdue. You know, I think about this last year, Jake, and, and I could be off base on this, but I feel like there are some people out there that, and maybe Trace Jackson Davis is one of them, Remember that Trace Jackson Davis, he got COVID right before the start of the NBA Combine? Yeah. And that pretty much like ended his, whatever, testing of the waters, if you will. And I think Trace himself has said that if he had not gotten COVID and participated in the Combine, there's a good chance he just would have gone into the NBA. Um, And again, I know it's not the exact same situation, but I think there are some similarities between Trace and Zach Eady. So... I'll be really interested from a combine standpoint how Edie looks in those five-on-five settings with more NBA rules, obviously away from his Purdue team that's so centric around him. If it goes well, does that push him into round one, get him to leave, or does he get exposed a bit uh, and perhaps decides to go back? He would need, by the way, if Purdue were to play 35 more games next year, which is what they played this year, right? If he were to return and they were to play the same schedule basically over again, he would need to average 22.5 per game to become the all-time leading scorer in Purdue history. And that's Mount? Correct. And he probably will, I would guess, shatter Joe Barry Carroll in the rebounds. Joe barely cares, baby. Joe barely cares. So those are some of the things that Zach Eady can look at. Again, Alan Karpik going to join us here in about a half hour to talk more about this. Uh, NBA last night, all the home teams won. I don't think anything was too climatic. Yeah, you're, you're right. They were kind of, okay, I checked in and, and saw the score and didn't need to necessarily yeah. lock in, right? Cavs even up the series 1-1 with the Knicks. Suns even it up with the Clippers. The big news late, late last night, Draymond Green suspended for Game 3. That will be Thursday night in Golden State. Jake, I understand the reputation of Draymond Green. Uh, I'm a little surprised by this. I find it ironic that a member of the Bad Boys and Joe Dumars is the one that hands down this sort of suspension with his role in the league office. And I would like to think that a move like this could quiet the crowd that says, oh, the NBA just favors the big market teams. Yeah. They want to do anything yep. to put their stars in the finals. This is a huge deal for the Kings in trying to go up 3-0. Here's what I've never understood. When people say big market... Well, they're like what teams define big market? In the NFL, NBA, whatever it might be. NBA, for example. You know, I hear people say like, well, you know, they're that team got screwed because they're a small market team. And I'm like, are they? Like I, I heard someone refer to Dallas as a small market team. I'm like, are they? 
What are, what do we list? And I don't know the answer to this. I'm asking rhetorically. What is the line between big market and small market? I mean, is Houston a big market team? It's the third biggest city in the country. I think probably a lot of it depends on like just your general ownership and the willingness of that owner to pay. From an NBA standpoint, luxury tax. Uh, from an NFL standpoint, I think it's starting to grow a little bit. And you know, are you willing to shell shell out a little bit of cash up front? You know, there are other owners around the league that are. I wouldn't say Jim Mercer is one of those. So, yeah, the NFL you have to get creative a little bit, Kevin. In reality, the NFL is set up, and I, I promise it's seven sixteen on a beautiful Wednesday morning. We got a good show lined up. I got a good night's sleep. Got in here this morning feeling good, so I'm not going to go down a rabbit hole of my angst on this. But I'm old enough to remember when Bill Pullian was saying for the Colts that they were at a competitive disadvantage playing in the RCA Dome because of the small market nature to it and how challenging that was for them. And I'm like, except for that you play in a league with a salary cap and revenue sharing. So realistically, the profit margin is essentially the same all the way across the board. Now, your auxiliary sponsorships, sweet sales, I get all that. But there's only so many places you can spend it in salary. That's changed a little bit, Kevin, because teams like the Rams have gotten creative, right, and found loopholes they can do to entice especially free agent players. I get that. But the Rams are kind of the anomaly. And it kind of blew up on them in a way. And I remember you and I talking about this literally the day after the Rams won the Super Bowl. We're like, they got their ring. And now for like the next two or three years, they're probably going to pay for it because all the bills are going to start coming in, right? Were you surprised, Draymond, suspended for Game Three? Or I was a little bit only because just here's a class class clown trying to you know get by for the thirteenth time. Well, that's it. If that exact thing had happened, I, I truly believe this. When I was a kid, I was a diehard IU basketball fan. I thought Gene Cady was a lunatic on the sidelines. Always like, you know, you've seen the Gene Cady, very intense. And I remember saying to my dad when I was like 10, I'm like, why is it that whenever the Indiana basketball coach gets in trouble, dad, it's big news. But whenever the Purdue coach does, like nobody talks about it. And he asks, you know, why doesn't he ever get in trouble? And my dad said, well, Jake, eventually you'd build for yourself what's called a reputation and you have to live up and or deal with the repercussions of that reputation. And when you've gotten eight violations, your ninth one is going to look even if it's the same thing that was done wrong by somebody on their second offense, it's going to be treated differently. I've never forgotten that. And Draymond Green is in that category. Kevin, if that had been last night, or not last night, but two nights ago, if it, if it was any other, you know, Jordan Poole, yeah. if it was whoever that did that, they probably get fined. But with Draymond Green, it's like at some point you're like, is this guy ever going to learn his lesson on the decorum of how he has to act? Well, the other thing too, Jake, is – and again, this might be Sacramento playing a little gamesmanship. For what it's worth, DeMontis Sabonis is listed as questionable for Game 3 with a sternum issue. If Sabonis is going to miss that game for some reason, there's no way Green could that's, play that's in that game. That's a good call. The, now again, the, the, that might be the Kings playing a little gamesmanship. And, and Brian points this out. I think it's a really good point to make. Adam Silver was in the building for Game 2, and we all watched how Draymond Green reacted as they were reviewing said play. He certainly didn't just sit on the bench Correct. in a remorseful manner. Correct. He certainly had his way with the Sacramento Kevin, fans. Kevin, the, the reality is this. It comes down to this, simply this. 
if a guy gets a speeding ticket every week for a calendar year, and at the end of the year he has 52 speeding tickets, and the judge says to him, if you get more speeding tickets in a calendar year than you sh- than the numbers of once per week allows, I'm taking away your license. And three days before the end of the year, he gets caught going 42 and a 35 and gets a speeding ticket. He can tell all of his friends that he got his his license suspended for going 42 and a 35. And technically, he's correct. But those that know the story know it's because he got his 53rd speeding ticket. It's it just depends on which which prism you want to look through. And the NBA made it very clear in the statement last night that it was based in part of his, uh, Green's history. That that contributed significantly to this news. So, Game 3 for the Warriors, not until tomorrow night. Again, they are down 2-0 for the first time in 27 straight playoff series. Uh, tonight, we'll have three games on the slate. It'll be the Lakers trying to go up 2-0 on the road. We'll see about John Morant. Doesn't sound too optimistic on that one. Um, Grizzlies and Lakers. Bucks and Heat. Giannis, I thought I saw he was listed as doubtful. I think that's right. For game two here as the Bucks try and even up that series. So Chris Middleton has battled injuries all season long. You know, we'll see if he can be kind of the lead guy. Obviously, Drew Holiday. Uh, and then the Nuggets and T Wolves also tonight. I really want to see the Kings win it all. I'm all in on the Kings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. The Pacers of the West. Going back to the Cincinnati Royals days. Oscar Robertson. Yeah, I don't really know who I'd be rooting for in the East. I Got to go with the Bucks, right? Yeah, I, don't I mean, I know they've won it. It's an element of just kind of seeing them do it. I, I already, I get it. What about Cleveland? Yeah, Cleveland's an interesting story because they were basically scaled all the way down, and boy, they did they quickly rebuild, right? And they've got some good young players. Karis LeVert was great for him last night. Darius Garland. Darius Garland's well. a really good player. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell, kind of more of a facilitator. They uh, smacked the Knicks to even up that series. That has the feel of of a series that will go uh, all seven games. Again, the Celtics won the opener last night, and the Suns won the finale to even up that at 1-1. The um, Giannis driving around Chick-fil-A with the championship trophy was pretty cool, though. It'd be fun to do. If he does that again, I'm driving to Milwaukee. to. Yeah, Giannis is a pretty likable star. For sure. Absolutely for sure. God, um, Mark Dykton in the checkdown probably is queuing up his favorite soundbite. Oh, assuming. of course. Yesterday was all about Hunter Green. I, you know, this sums up the Reds and their rebuild. Jeff Passan, you know, the whatever, Agent Warjanowski, Adam Schefter of Major League Baseball. Did you say the Agent Aging Warjanowski? A- Adrian. Okay. Um, the Reds signed Hunter Green, their you know young star pitcher, to a six-year extension yesterday. He is the first player on the Reds roster to have a guaranteed salary past this season. You know what they said after he signed that deal? Well, where are you going to go? <laughs> Think about that. How many players on a major league roster? 30-something? Pitchers? Batters? And he's the first player to have a contract guaranteed past this season? What says you are more in a Tank rebuild than that. But I, here's the thing. A tank rebuild for what? For who? You know what I mean? Maybe the kid from Franklin, right? Yeah, I guess. Get Max Clark to 
Yeah, but over baseball Cincinnati. is so crazy because it's not like you draft somebody and he's an instant impact. You I might know. not see him for like five years. Well, we, we, we've talked about it before. I don't think there's a draft that's more, and again, it's not like I pay attention oh, to it, I mean, but that's more of a crapshoot. By the fifth pick, you're like, who's this guy? Slash interesting than Major League Baseball. Usually from, by the first pick, you're like, who's this yeah, guy? Yeah, exactly. From some some pitcher from you know somewhere in Arizona, well, he's in the high Cobb school league kid. of Georgia, right. and you know we're gonna draft him versus the three year player at. Vanderbilt, yeah, the Rays absolutely smoked the Reds, and I did see my A's continue their charitable act. That's right, appreciated it. Uh, we'll get everybody caught up on what happened last night in the world of sports when we do the morning checkdown. Alan Carpenter going to join us just twenty minutes from now. We'll talk a little bit of Purdue, and then Stephen Holder. We'll talk NBA draft as well. Loaded show here on a Wednesday, and a good-looking start to the day. Good morning to you. It's Kevin and Corey, 93.5, The Fan. Are you going to abandon being a Reds fan? Are you going to abandon following this team? The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. All right, last time in the NBA, all the home teams got it done. You have the Celtics over the Hawks to go up 2-0. Cleveland, even their series with the Knicks. Karis LeVert, outstanding off the bench in that one. By the way, Malcolm Brogdon, pretty good uh, for the Celtics. So a couple former Pacers there. Uh, and then the Suns in the final game of the night, they even things up with the Clippers 1-1. Looking ahead to tonight, you've got the Lakers and the Grizzlies. The Bucks with Giannis very much in doubt for that one. Already down 1-0 to the Heat. And then the Nuggets and the T-Wolves and Jake Draymond Green suspended for tomorrow night's Game 3. Uh, Major League Baseball yesterday, it was the Diamondbacks 8-7 over the St. Louis Cardinals. Another win for Mark Dykton. Tigers uh, sweeping the Cleveland Guardians in the Midwest. The Tampa Rays 10 your Cincinnati Redlegs. Are you going to abandon being a Reds fan? Are you going to abandon following this team? Yeah, this feeds right into that clip. Did you see, I think it was the, I guess it would have been the Monday night game, lowest announced crowd in the 19-year history of Great American Ballpark. Boy, how many? I don't know the official number on that, but um, now, I, you know, to be fair, I guess a little bit of the Tampa Bay Rays has something to do with it, um, just because... Typically, the Reds are very reliant on a, a somewhat of a road crowd, which is not ideal. Uh, but yeah, not good right now. And the Reds are actually like, you know, halfway decent. I was going to say, they have not been a complete they embarrassment. They are the A's. Yet, right? The uh, A's have been outdrawn by all of their minor league affiliates at one point this season. Who already. have? The oh Athletics. That's good. Their minor league roster or minor league teams have outdrawn them attendance-wise at least once. Uh, they were season. beaten yesterday by the Cubs 4 nothing. Cute fellow 1 nothing over the Washington Nationals. And the Indianapolis Indians on the short end against the Memphis Redbirds 5-4. One sport we haven't talked much about. Probably should mention it because it's that time of year. Rangers over the Devils last night 5-1 in the NHL. That's the first round of the East playoffs. Rangers lead one uh, one love. It was Lightning over the Maple Leafs 7-3. Tampa also up one love. These are all game ones, by the way. Um Winnipeg over Vegas and the Seattle. Do you guys say the Kraken, the Kraken, the Kraken? Well, the Kraken. Yeah, the Kraken. That'd be the pronouncement. I always, but I always Kraken. think of it as Kraken. Well, but I know it. Kraken. But, but then I look at it and, I, and for some reason my Kraken? eyes see Karen. Oh. oh, it's just like a bunch of angry ladies in the crowd. Three-one uh, over the Avalanche. Seattle. Uh, Indy Fuel. They start their playoffs coming up uh, this Friday on the road early with Toledo next Tuesday and Thursday, I believe. Games three and four. So you can check that out. Up at can the I do, Coliseum. Can I do it one time? Let's go Fuel.
You've been to the games, right? Yep. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mark's looking at me like I'm crazy. Great Well, time, that's man. my usual glance. <laughs> Par for the course of 734. Uh, Zach Eady declaring for the NBA draft, maintaining, though, um, the potential to come back to Purdue. Here was Matt Painter yesterday on Edie making that move. You know, he's still, you know, trying to gather a lot of facts and kind of figure out where he stands with everything. You know, I just want him to do what's best for him. I, I think a lot of people always look at it like the head coach is just trying to convince you to come back. And, you know, I look at it like I wish I was in his position. And, you know, I just want, you know, for him to make the best decision for himself, gather all the facts and make that decision and then support him in whatever he does. If he decides to go the NBA support Supporting, if he comes back to Purdue, supporting. Like just, just continue to help your players. Continue to want what's best for them. That was uh, Matt Painter on yesterday with JMV. By the way, uh, yesterday afternoon, Painter also said what he hasn't watched a lot of the Fairleigh Dickinson game yet. I don't think he's watching it. He hasn't watched it. Yeah. I don't think he's watched it at all. Uh, Mr. Basketball announcement tonight. The banquet is tonight. Sounds like um, Marcus Burton from Penn, the heavy favorite. In that one, he is headed to play for Micah Shrewsbury, Notre Dame. Jake, I know we looked this up. The last South Bend native to win Mr. Basketball? Boy, um, Jerron Cornell did not win it, right? Uh, I'd have to – I'm not actually positive on that. Yeah, I know we looked this up. I think we had to go way back. Wasn't Lee Nalon from South Bend? He was, yeah. But he was not Mr. Basketball, I realized, but he was no, a really good player. TCU. Yeah. You know, you have some Michigan City – products but oh, yeah. from Delray south Brooks. bend native do you have to go back to 78 david charles macon was michigan city a, a, a kansas dan product. palambizio was michigan city. david magley am i saying that correct that long ago unless i'm missing somebody michigan city warsaw gary roosevelt obviously warsaw you got jeff gross and kevin alt right plenty of plenty of fort wayne products luke wrecker if you want to go up to that corner of the state as well but yeah, it's been a while. Um, so we'll see that tonight. Zane Doty, probably the underdog in that sense. Uh, one other note. Did you see yesterday, DeMar Hamlin cleared to be able to return to full football uh, activities. I'll be curious to see, Kevin. I don't know how to say this without it sounding uncomfortable. I, DeMar Hamlin was a good player for Buffalo, right? But that's a position that like you've got to be – it's tough from one year to the next to not have any drop-off whatsoever. I'm not saying that he's going to have drop-off at all, but like, let's just say hypothetically that, that DeMar Hamlin, just being away from the game, lost a half a step. Is Buffalo in a position, though, where it's almost impossible this year to release him? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what – I want to say he started like 13 games for them the previous – they're in 2022, so I, I don't know if he's viewed as like a locked-in 100% player exactly, for them. Exactly. He's more of a That's probably a better way of saying it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've always viewed him as kind of a friend star. You know, a, like a Isaiah Rogers type player. You yeah, know what I mean? obviously from a PR standpoint, you would love to see him on the team. He did confirm yesterday, right, that it was, and I can't even pronounce it, Camosho Cordis Correct. or whatever it's Correct. called. That was the... Um, what of course, those that feel that it was otherwise probably are not necessarily going to take to heart, pardon the pun, what he says, right? Yeah. Let's be real. On that. Uh, all right. Alan Carpet going to join us next. We'll talk a little Zach Eady and uh, Stephen Holder coming up. Eight o'clock hour. We'll get his thoughts eight days away from the NFL draft. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. House cleaning notes, by the way. Alan Carpet going to join us in just a couple of minutes. But number one, I wanted to say good morning to a couple of folks alex armbruster and jeremy bullard who are very active on social media and um about this program and appear to listen every single morning and it's very much appreciated so good morning to them and to all of you who are listening we very much appreciate it also wanted to point out penn station sent out the tweet yesterday and thank you to john griffin here at our station for putting it together we are once again kevin going to be part of the elio drive for five with penn station east coast subs nice. i think that will include probably having elio on this program a few times and <clears throat> if you go to penn station to get you know who doesn't love going there and getting the chicken teriyaki in particular i suggest but you can register to not only win a free sub but also with Shank racing and uh, Elio, a carb day experience, which will include, I'm going to be showing people around the garage area and talking with them for an hour or so and giving them kind of a behind the scenes glimpse of what takes place at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on carb day. I'll probably just so, be drinking beer. <laughs> you'll be drinking carbs, right? Yes. Uh huh. Um, also NHL playoffs, who you rooting for? I, I, I'm kind of torn because the flames are my team, right? I've always kind of liked both the Rangers and the Islanders. And that seems ridiculous, right? It's not like saying you're a Cubs and a White Sox fan. Yeah. And I'm like, do I just jump on the Bruins wagon after what they just had during this regular season? Yeah, I'd like to experience some winning sure. for your team yeah, this uh-huh. year. I feel like with the A's, I should go the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> That's the fine. And after the Notre Dame basketball season, that you realize just... that the winner of the president's cup very rarely Endure. wins the Stanley I, cup. But you sure. want to take them? You got Bruins? Uh, I, I'm going Islanders. Let Mark, me take a closer look at it. Give me the lightning. <laughs> I mean, you talk about a wagon, Mark. Well, <laughs> I mean, okay. Come on. Been... Jeez. Way to, yeah. way Mark's to go. Mark's going to cheer for Alabama. I'm the Winnipeg Mark, Jets. Mark, Mark's the Jimmy Cook of the give show. Me the, oh, please. Give me the uh, give me the Kraken, then. There you go. It's Kraken, right? No, it's not. <laughs> you are incorrect, sir. I, I know it's Kraken. It's like a creature of the sea, right? And it's Alan Karpik. Correct. Joining us right now uh, on 3.com, the president and publisher there. Talk a little Zach Eady declaring for the NBA draft, but maintaining, of course, um, the possibility to return to West Lafayette. Alan, uh, the level of surprise from this move by Zach Eady? Uh, virtually none, to be honest, guys. I mean, it, this was not not the least bit of a surprise. It, yeah, it's happened to many Purdue guys over the years. A lot of players that they go in and test the waters in the NBA. And I, I think with Zach Eady, you know, if you're him, you see what see what the heck's out there. This is a great evaluation time, and if things come come in better than maybe expected, then uh, you you make the leap. But I, I just think it was not a surprise at all. And uh, Purdue fans will have to be patient over the next few weeks to see what, how it all shakes out. Alan, in your 
gut here with Zach Eady, and I don't know that any of us know that. I don't know that Zach Eady knows this answer, but I, I think it's safe to say right now, and you and I have talked about this on the air, I think, in previous conversations. Edie probably slots as a pretty sure second-round pick. I don't know that he can play his way into the first round at no fault of his, just because of the the deteriorated value of the position that he plays at the NBA level. But if you had to guess, Alan, he needs to be assured of what area in order to to stay in the draft. Well, I, I would think it's a guaranteed contract of some sort. I mean, I mean it, it does come down to – but, you know, in today's NIL world, it does come down to what opportunities you'll have. Uh, Purdue's worked through uh, some of the, as I understand it, some of the challenges that it has to deal with with respect to him being a Canadian citizen, uh, that he'll have opportunities at Purdue as well. That's what gives Purdue, I think, a reasonable chance in this whole situation to for him to return. There's no doubt he's been very open about the fact that he likes Likes Purdue. Uh, I loves Purdue. His mom loves Purdue. Uh, I, it certainly didn't finish on the level uh, the way the season ended last year. That uh, he's not to. He all his business isn't finished as a college player. But you know, it's really hard to predict exactly what he's going to do until he gets in and sees how he stacks up. But you're right. That's the general consensus. Is he's not a guy that uh, is going to jump into the first round. And does he want to? Uh, stay in college, a place that he's come to like very much, and finish up his business here in West Lafayette, uh, as opposed to maybe playing in the G League somewhere. The the, the bus rides aren't as uh, glamorous as what you might get in college basketball, as we always say. Alan, could you explain the whole international visa, NIL ramifications maybe a little bit more? It's pretty confusing to me, like, but it seems like the fact that Zach Eady was just National Player of the Year, all of a sudden his status as international student athlete has risen to the point where he would be rewarded for that. Maybe if, you know, in, I don't know, William Berg's case, as I think he's from Sweden or something, you know, a, a, a player that maybe is not at Zach Eady's status wouldn't necessarily be allowed to benefit as much. Do I have that right or am I totally off base? Well, as I understand it, and I'm not an expert on it, but it has something to do, I believe, with his visa or his ability to stay in the United States and what he can do and what he can earn here and based on his scholarship and all of those kinds of issues. And as I understand it, Purdue has worked through a lot of those issues. I don't know, you know, Tom Mitchell from the compliance staff on campus. Is a, I know it's kind of been a full-time job to get that figured out. And from what we understand, uh, they've made progress. But that's what I believe it has some things to do with, with, with respect to his ability to be in the United States and, and uh, what limitations there are on that. Do we get uh, Alan Karpik with us, by the way, from On3.com, Golden Black here, covering um – Purdue, do we get any sort of vibe that the Zach Eady decision here could impact a transfer portal decision on Trey Kaufman, Wren, Caleb First, anyone else on Purdue's roster? I don't think so. I mean, there's no, there's no, you know, those guys are both pretty committed to what's going on. You know, I, the first, the second you say that, and somebody will be in the transfer portal by sundown. So, <laughs> uh, but it does seem like that that's, uh, 
that that's where it stands at this point. Yes, those guys will be impacted uh, from a playing time standpoint, certainly. But I also think Purdue may play a little bit differently next year, uh, have some ability to bring those guys out a little bit more with another year of experience on the court. Who knows whether Zach Eady may? I wouldn't be shocked if he, did, you know, becomes a little bit more of a spot-up shooter if he stays in West Lafayette because uh, that's kind of what Purdue did with. Caleb Swanigan back in the day, different type of player, I understand, but guys that uh, they want to put them in the best position to show what they can do in professional basketball. Uh, but, no, I, I don't think there's anything imminent there at all. Uh, but, again, uh, uh, anything is possible in the NIL – excuse me, in the, well, in the NIL world, but also in the transfer portal world. But there's no indication that anything's changing there. Alan Karpik is our guest. He's on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You can read his work, of course, at on3.com where. And, Alan, I very much appreciate it. Uh, you guys did us a solid by kind of running uh, over and letting people know about our interview with Ryan Walters from earlier this week. Um, so I'm curious just your overall impressions of as he gets familiar with the Purdue football roster, maybe it's too early to know this, but what have been your initial impressions in, in terms of Ryan Walters and how – how things might look different for Purdue football? Well, I think it's youth um, or relative to, uh, you know, being 37 years old and full of energy. Not that us older folks aren't full of energy, but he certainly has brought that to the table. Uh, he's very uh, strategic in what he's about, uh, even the fact that uh, he's not not about wasted motion. That's clear when his choice is to, to not have a spring game, partly due to the number of uh, – uh, not injuries of players that are going to be able to play, but also the fact that he's trying to keep his eye on the prize that to uh, have his team in the best position possible for that opener against Fresno State in a very difficult schedule this year with Ohio State and Michigan coming back on it. But I've been impressed with him. I think I think all the all the signs, especially in recruiting, are positive. He's getting a uh, uh, high level of talent in to, to at least to visit in West Lafayette. He's had some commitments. Uh, I think that that's what they want. They wanted a guy that, uh, yes, he's a defensive guy, but he's a young mind. Uh, uh, he's When you're 37 years old, I guess you're hip by definition, and he seems to be that way. The players seem to uh, seem to have really responded well to him. But, uh, you know, the proof's going to be in what happens, obviously, when the season starts, and he's going to – he fully admits to it. I think he's self-aware. That's another thing that impresses me a little bit. He's aware that uh, this is his first uh, rodeo as a head coach, and he's learning things on a daily basis. He admits that all the time. I think that's a good thing. Uh, but, en- but energy, youthfulness, and the ability to, to connect to players are probably the three biggest positives from uh, Ryan Walters to date. Alan, I do want to go back to Zach Eady for, for, for a second here. Do you get the vibe like he's leaning one way or the other on this? I, I don't, and, and he certainly has said that even after after Purdue's uh, meltdown in the NCAA tournament that, uh, you know, he's just talked about uh, he's got options in front of him. He's a very stoic uh, guy, uh, at, least, uh, at least outwardly, and he is a guy that uh, uh, thinks about things a, a great deal. Uh, he's also a guy that just doesn't like to call, you know, 
pull a lot of attention his way. Uh, I just don't have a real feel for it. I just think if there's an opportunity there and it's better, he he and and, and his family think it's better than what he has in West Lafayette, he'll probably take it. But I, I do think he, he if any guy is a national player of the year, I know Oscar Sheboy came back last year as well, uh, comes back, though, it's Zach Eady just because of his affinity for his teammates. And, and that's real. He's talked about that all year. Uh, there aren't many guys that are seven foot four. It, it seems that are kind of uh, vocal leaders or at least quiet leaders of the basketball team. He was very much that way, uh, and I think he'd like to finish uh, his career up on a heck of a lot better note than he did uh, in Columbus back in uh, March. Alan, I know obviously you guys will be keeping track of that storyline, and then obviously the football one as well. What else you got cooking it on three dot com? Well, with the transfer portal being open now, uh, up to to the end of the what April thirtieth, it's head on a swivel time. I mean, everything, everything. There will be some Purdue players that will certainly at the end of spring practice this week, uh, no doubt will 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 enter the portal, um, and Purdue will certainly be trying to make some roster moves. So that's probably about as much of anything. And obviously, too, uh, basketball recruiting and and, uh, basketball camps. Those types of things uh, will we'll certainly dot the uh, landscape of our site over the next few weeks. Again, Alan Carpet, president and publisher um, over at On3, Golden Black, uh, coverage of Purdue. Alan, as always, a 7 o'clock hour. Uh, you are consistent with your time slot. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll look forward to the offseason coverage here. All right, sounds great. Thanks so much, guys. It's Alan Carpet. Uh, Jake, we talked about it probably this time last year with Trace Jackson Davis. You know, the trend here in the past couple of years with big guys in college basketball, they return. Armando yeah. Baycott, he returned. He re- he's re- he's returning again. Oscar Shibway, who was brought up from, from Kentucky, he returns. You know, Drew Timmy at Gonzaga. Obviously, Trace, um, you know, probably for two reasons. One, NIL. The other, we see how the big man is being devalued a little bit more in the NBA. So, for those reasons, I think that would give Purdue fans some optimism. And Zach Eady strikes me as a guy... Jake, to be pretty self-motivated to get that sour taste out of his mouth and return. Yeah, I would agree with that latter part in particular, right? I mean, you, boy, that is just such a such a thing to have hang over you. You know, that, I mean, that lo- back-to-back years of yeah. losing to, to just a smaller school it's that, quite the that embarrassment. kind of the laughing stock, right? I mean, St. Peter's, at least there was, you know, I mean, they Made the Sweet 16. Yeah, and they beat some pretty darn good teams. Well, they made the Elite Eight, right? I mean, they... Yeah, I meant Purdue had gotten to the yeah, yeah, Sweet 16. Exactly that. But, you know, so... I would think that has to fuel you a little bit, but at the same time also feel like such a faraway mountain. You know what I mean? And does that pressure then every single time that Purdue, that there's a, a close game next year, is it, oh gosh, you know, it's going to collapse on us again. Here we go again. Because the narrative's now out there, right? The narrative's out there that, like, Purdue, it doesn't matter what they do. They can't win the big one, et cetera. Does that weigh on them? I think all that factors in. And do you worry at all about injury if you're Edie, you know, with big guys and going back to school? Uh, boy, that Purdue football schedule. I know we brought this up with Ryan Walters earlier. And, you know, Purdue certainly benefits from being in the Big Ten West. Their schedule this year, Fresno State at Virginia Tech, Syracuse. There's the non-conference. And then the start to Big Ten play. Wisconsin, Illinois, at Iowa, Ohio State, at Nebraska, at Michigan. So you look at the non-conference 
you know, no just like guaranteed victory. You would hope Fresno State at home would certainly be that. But the crossover at Michigan and Ohio State. Last year you benefited. Yes, you had Penn State, but you know that was in your own uh, place to open up the season. Uh, you're not getting that in Ryan Walters' first season. Speaking of injuries, you ever had tennis elbow? No, but I've got a buddy that um, ha- has had that and, and complains really hard. I do have to admit this. Yesterday I was walking back to my do car. Do I need to call QC Kinetics? Well, I, I can... Uh, 317-559-PAIN, by the way. Uh, okay. eight, 8 o'clock hour, I'll, I'll shed a little bit more light on that front. I was walking back to my car in Bloomington yesterday. I mean, picture yesterday on a college campus. Yeah. I mean, heavenly. Yeah. Just and incredible. So I stayed after class for about 30 minutes. One of my students is walking towards me. He has totally changed his outfit from what he wore to class. I mean, he's got backwards hat, sunglasses, jersey, shorts. I mean, he's going to upstairs. Are you joining? I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. I won't be joining. I like give him like a little fist pound. What do I do? Just trip on the curb in front of me. That's good, yeah. Just smoke the curb. I mean, just <laughs> right foot, right into the curb. No, these, Kevin, these girls... <laughs> behind connor connor's my student they start giggling at me i'm like could i look more old in a five second period than that right now well the wait another five years when that trip leads you to that sidelines you for three days jake i i iced the foot last night i might have done it this morning before uh-huh coming in for work Maddie now, just started laughing meanwhile, at me. So you get me hooked up at, the, at QC Kinetics, and I'll get you hooked up with the Good Feet store. That. We have Kevin, a handshake agreement here. That's right. Kevin, that's right. questionable for the 9 o'clock Of course, hour. we're both going to hurt each other by the handshake, <laughs> yeah. but that's okay. You know, just uh, put me on the same list with Giannis right now and John Moran, maybe Sabonis with the sternum, but um, certainly not one of my um, finer moments, to say the least. Uh, 8 o'clock hour coming up. Stephen Holder. Talk a little Colts draft. Our next guest... Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Added um, something that now we both have in common. I believe it was over the weekend, potentially, maybe earlier this week. Um, Stephen Holder from ESPN.com is with us. Stephen, I'll never forget um, the day when Kelly Tilly, the head of the Colts cheerleading program, asked me to be a judge uh, for the Colts cheerleading squad. And I looked at her like, do you have the wrong person? Um, I, I was dumbfounded by that move by her. And I'll never forget also like when we'd gather in the room to discuss the potential candidates and thinking, when do I interject and what the hell should I say? Uh, was, was it equally as awkward for you as it was for me? <laughs> yeah, because at first I was like, wait a minute, you know I don't know what I'm doing, right? Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, we're fine with that. Oh, so basically you're saying I'm a complete idiot, but you're good with that. All right, well, thanks. Um, no, but it was definitely uh, surprising for sure, and it was actually kind of stressful because it was hard. I was like, I like them all. They're yeah, all good. There's not a lot. I don't know if you can compare it to the Colts quarterback See, process I'd, because I, I don't know if it, the, there's a lot of separation. Uh, I, I'd be Simon Cowell. I, I'd be up there like, <clears throat> what are we doing here? 
what, what are we doing here? You, you, you sidestepped too much to the left there. What, what, what's going on? <laughs> I mean, there were there were really, I think out of 46 candidates, uh, there were only like two or three where I was like, nah, nah, that, that's not the one. And the rest I was kind of like, yeah, I can see it. Totally. And then there were uh, a handful where I was like, oh, yeah, she's off the charts. She's good. And you know, so that's basically what I what I ended up with was which was all right. Ninety percent of you are good in my book, <laughs> so but they can't all make it, so it's tough. And it's also like a huge deal. I mean, uh, maybe I'm stating it the is. obvious there, but like obviously, you imagine you know your whole life is spent doing some sort of whatever cheerleading dance, however you want to call it, and you're trying to make an NFL team. Um, yep. Boy, the, the, the emotions, I was like, gosh, this is way too much responsibility for me. I need to go home and, and you know, think about myself after this. <laughs> no, I, I think that's something that, that a lot of people don't necessarily uh, appreciate is the fact that it is a big deal for these young women. And, you know, I, I think not just that it's a big deal, but also the fact that, you know, some of them, the sacrifices they are making or willing to make, you know, if they make the team. So I, there was one young woman who uh, was going to drive in for, from Chicago to, uh, to, to perform. And I'm like, you're going to do this every week? Like, yeah, she was. And, yeah. and these are on top of normal jobs that they all have. Oh, or, yeah. you know, some, some of them are still in school, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Some, some are pretty accomplished. You know, we had a couple of physicians, um, we, a couple who were in dental school. And I was like, all right, I could barely, like, make it through, you know, you know, anatomy class in college, you know? So, anyway, yeah, it was it was pretty impressive. And, again, no idea why they called me, but, um, yeah, I was I was more than happy. Especially because some of the people on the panel, they're, they're either, a lot of them are either former Colts cheerleaders or have some expertise in dance, um, whether it's, ballet or you know modern dance or something and i was just sitting there like um uh, i write about football yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> so i struggled I to do the butterfly not, stretch yeah i <laughs> definitely did not feel uh like i was in the right room <laughs> steven yesterday i was shopping and i'm in the store where i'm shopping and all of a sudden the manager starts running around frantically and i'm like what's going on and she said well we can't figure it out but the fire department's on the way because the alarms detect smoke and we don't know where it's coming from. And the fire the fire trucks rolled up. It was very exciting. And in fact, it was like some sort of a faulty thing. But I thought, is this symbolic of the NFL draft and the fact that this is the time now where there's smoke all over the place that's being detected, but there's no actual fire? And that includes this latest narrative that perhaps picks two and three aren't even going to be a quarterback and that the Colts are going to get their choice of the second quarterback in the draft. Your thoughts on that smoke? Okay, so I'm glad you asked. I I do think there is smoke here. I think it's I think it's a lot of uh, I think some of it is is along the lines of what you are describing. However, however, I heard something yesterday afternoon that kind of changed my opinion on Houston in particular and whether they might do what is being speculated, which is not pick CJ Stroud or pick another, uh, pick another position even um, outside of quarterback. I heard some, some evidence or I heard, I heard a supporting argument for that, that actually 
made some sense. And, and I think there's some possible truth to it. Let's put it that way. I don't even want to say the argument makes sense because I disagree. I think they should take a quarterback because I think their franchise doesn't really have any direction right now. But be that as it may, that's not the point. The point is, would they possibly do what is being speculated? And I think the answer is yes. I mean, look, I get that there is a lot of smoke right now, but uh, there are some, the people who are saying this, this is the other thing that's important here. The people who are saying this are reputable. And, and look, we all, you know, Adam Schefter is not infallible, but when I hear Adam, and he's not the only one, but when I hear Adam go on TV and go to the mat on this and say, listen, I'm telling you, do not rule this out. It's because someone with some validity and probably multiple people are telling him that. So as much as I can't believe it, and as much as I think it's absolutely ridiculous that Houston would do that, it doesn't matter. I think there's some chance that it's true. Uh, and, and again, he's not the only one. And I heard from someone yesterday who also reflected that information. And I, I was flabbergasted. But again, I think there's some truth to it. Don't ask me why. I can't help you with that. But that's what I can tell you. Okay, l- l- let's play out this sort of scenario then, Stephen. Will Anderson goes two to Houston. I mean, by all accounts, this is a guy that could be a double-digit sack guy for a decade. I mean, I, I, I right. can understand some of that thinking for D'Amico Ryans. What yeah, I can't really... coach. Yeah, what, what I can't really understand is in Arizona at three sitting there and making a selection with a player that I don't think we've talked about any player in this draft process, non-quarterback-wise, that necessarily is a slam dunk to go in the top five outside of Anderson. You know, I yes, Tyree right. Wilson from Texas Tech is, you know, potentially there's some corners that might be in that range, but there's not a left tackle. There's not a wide out. There's not this obvious name that we've talked about through this process. So my question then becomes, isn't someone going to trade up to get C.J. Stroud? Like, what am I missing on C.J. Stroud right now that all of a sudden could take him all the way down to number four and the Colts could have Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis all to pick from? Well, now that's where I, that's where I, I actually do agree that, that it's nonsense, <laughs> okay? Because if you're Arizona, at that point, I'm just taking whatever I can get in, for, in a trade because – they have no incentive to make that pick because who would it be? As you said, right? I mean, not that they, it's not as if they don't need the talent, right? They definitely have a deficiency of talent, but they're not winning anything this year. They need multiple players. And for them, the move is trade down, get multiple picks and go restock your roster and, and replace the players who are, who all apparently want out of Arizona because apparently everyone wants out of Arizona. Right. So they're going to have some, they're going to have some, some key players to replace here, the way they're going. My, so I agree with that. I, I don't understand what motivation Arizona would have uh, under that scenario to make the pick. Cause Will Anderson, I get it. They're going to run and turn the card in. If, if they don't have any takers, I'm running to the, to the podium to, to turn the card in for Will Anderson if you're Arizona, right? You're, you're going to be fine with that. You'll sleep fine on next Thursday night. But if it's not him, I, I don't know where they go. Uh, then I, it does feel like you're kind of settling because I think the, the drop-off does seem somewhat significant after that in terms of the non-quarterbacks, right? Unless, you, unless you're just okay with Jalen Carter, and I can't say where things stand with him. There's just so much 
uh, to that situation. So it's it's interesting. I do think the, the Arizona the Arizona scenario gets really interesting there if if CJ Stroud does not go to Houston. Again, Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Let's focus on Stroud here. Um, you know, by all accounts, the most accurate quarterback in this draft. We saw what he did against Georgia in the national semifinal. Um, where is the nitpicking that's starting to build here? Is it that it was too easy for him at Ohio State? Too much of a talent advantage he had on a routine basis? Are there questions about his coachability? Have you heard anything on the Stroud front that could all of a sudden kind of remove him from the 1A, 1B sort of thought process we've had all along with Bryce Young? The, the only thing the only thing that's been kind of speculated that I that, that maybe there's some validity to that I know is I, I think people are asking maybe about coachability. Now, I don't know anything about it personally, right? So I'm not going to speculate. I, I do not know that. But uh, that is if that is a question, okay, if if that is a question, then that is a question you really have to vet when it comes to your quarterback for obvious reasons, right? So I just can't speak to it personally because I don't have that information and I don't have that intel. But but if that's an issue, then I, I somewhat get it. But I would say this, when it comes to the fit from a football perspective, now let's just play this out as you said, if he were to get to number four, right? And I have no idea whether that's going to happen. I think it's a little bit far-fetched, but, but not out of the question. If he gets to number four, I love the fit for the Colts. And I, I know that's kind of obvious. People know that he's really talented. But I mean, specifically for the Colts, he gives you, you know, we talk about Anthony Richardson's downfield ability, but, but you get that to some degree with C.J. Stroud. And you also get, the, the intermediate and uh, short-range accuracy as well. Uh, he, you know, I think his, his pocket presence, I guess, at times could be better. And, and he certainly isn't the athlete that some of these other guys are. He's probably, of the four, probably the, the least impressive athlete. And so, so that's something you'd have, to, you'd have to get your head around that if you're the Colts. And, and you'd have to determine how important that is to you. But in terms of uh, being the, the kind of quarterback that Shane Steichen wants, he wants to be, he wants to have an aggressive downfield up tempo attack. I mean, you can get that with CJ Stroud. You know, I was thinking about this, Stephen. Stephen Holder's our guest. He's on the Payless Sickers hotline. You can read his work, of course, at ESPN.com covering the Colts in the NFL. I've also heard, Stephen, we played some audio yesterday, I believe, from Michael Lombardi talking about question marks of C.J. Stroud's coachability. I know nothing of that. I'm not at practices at Ohio State or wherever it may be. But I got to thinking about this, Stephen. If there are league-wide question marks about the coachability of C.J. Stroud, then theoretically that means that critique would be coming from inquiry from his coaches. The only person that would be able to speak to the coachability of C.J. Stroud would be people who have been assigned the responsibility of coaching him, right? That's a fair assessment. Yeah. So so if I am, and I'm not saying this to pick on Ohio State, but how uncoachable must a guy be 
to have that narrative floating about him because it's in the best interest of Ohio State to speak him up because if I'm a kid that's coming out right now that's a big-time recruit and I'm looking at where to go and I'm going, wait a minute, here's a guy that's leaving Ohio State and his coaches are actually hurting his NFL value by speaking about him. I don't want to go play for that that group. So where would it be coming from? I think your guess is pretty reasonable. Let's put it that way, right? I mean, neither of us have have had that conversation, so I can't speak to it personally, and I know that you are not speaking to it personally. But it has to emanate from somewhere, okay? Because wouldn't it be in Ohio State's best interest to have him go as high as possible? Yes, I agree with that, yes. Uh, they're, they're also, and this is getting into real speculative territory, right? But there, there also is the idea that these, these coaches also want to have credibility with NFL teams. You know, they have lots of other prospects and they will have prospects every year. Um, they also have relationships. You know, some of these coaches want to work in the NFL at some point, right? So there's, there's all little tentacles to this this idea and some of these notions that, that we can at least consider. But I agree on the whole, right. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense necessarily, you know, at a glance, I get it. But if you drill down a little bit, you could see some, some ways where there, there might be some, there might be some methods of, or, or not motivations, put it that way. There might be some motivations um, where people might be more honest. So, you know, we'll see. Steven, last one for me. Um, how much do you think this draft should be about you support the quarterback at all costs, like second, third round, fourth round? I mean, if you look at Andrew Luck uh, after that draft, it's w- well documented, you know, all the offensive picks they made. I mean, hell, even if you go back to the Peyton Manning draft, um, there are a lot of o- offensive picks made right after the selection of Manning. You know, if you look purely at the Colts roster, corner is a massive need. But how much do you juggle? Yes, you really need a cornerback, and a cornerback is a premium position, but you also need to go all in on fully supporting your your young QB. No, I actually I actually like that idea of really doubling down on this QB. I, I think you can get that corner next year if you if you end up having to do that, right? I mean, are, are the Colts are the Colts winning the Super Bowl this year? Hell no, right? So, so this should be about the quarterback because you want to know in a couple of years, you want to know what you have. And the only way you're truly going to know that is if you do right by this quarterback. That is what I believe. And, and it's interesting. You mentioned the 2012 draft. It's something that we don't give enough credit for to Ryan Grigson. Uh, he figured that out. And to his credit, he actually went all in on Andrew Luck. He bet on Andrew Luck in that draft. Now, Andrew Luck versus RG3, I will always say, was a Jim Ursay decision, ultimately. Ultimately, right? It doesn't mean everybody else wasn't on board. But even if you take that decision out of Ryan Grigson's hands, they still went and got T.Y. Hilton and the tight ends, and they did a great job of betting on the quarterback and, and going all in and doubling down on his talents. Maybe they're not getting Andrew Luck in this particular draft. I don't know. But, but whoever they get, they need to maximize the opportunity and potential for that player to succeed. And that is how you do it. And frankly, this team under Chris Ballard has not 
done right by the quarterback in many instances, I feel. Last year being the latest example. Yeah, I would agree. It, so, yeah, it's time for that to change. That is, I think, that has been Chris Ballard's, I think, biggest blind spot is is thinking that the quarterback or almost almost operating like the quarterback um, functions in a vacuum and, and that it's not all interwoven, right? It is. It's completely interwoven, and they're dependent on one another. You can't, you can't skate by at right guard and think there's no impact on the quarterback, just for an example. Steven, this draft, the Colts have how many picks? Um, I, I believe it's I believe it's seven. Is it seven, Kevin? I can't yeah, remember. Three in round yeah. five, none in six, two in seven, so maybe nine, eight. Oh, that's like right. That. I forgot about that. Yes, okay. You're right. So the question that I have for you, Stephen Holder, would be this. We know theoretically, and unless something seismic happens, that with their first pick, they're going to go quarterback. How deep into the draft then do you believe you get to where they shift from like need and strictly mm-hmm. into the best player available at that spot? Or do they have critical needs that are going to run for them all the way through the draft? Yeah, well, I think we can go back to their history. I think Chris Ballard's history in this area, it's a good question. And I think if you look at how he has operated, I think the answer is relatively clear. They definitely target needs, I think, through round four, generally. And sometimes it, it may be three, sometimes it might be five, but roughly round four. I mean, look at last year. Let's see, what was – they went with – they had a tight end and the tackle in the third round. So, I mean, those were needs, right? So – I think well into the third round, they were they were still picking needs. They've done it into the fourth as well. I think the fourth round is roughly where you're talking about. And and it's worked for them, I will say, because on the back half of the draft, what they do is they just they just pick, you know, their type of athlete, you know, the type of athletes that they prefer, that the Colts tend to to lean toward. They pick them in the, the back half of those rounds. You know, at positions where they could use some depth, and sometimes it's not a position where they need depth. It's just a really good player they like, and that has worked out. And I, I think if you're if you're targeting needs in the back half in those late, later rounds, it gets problematic because those are imperfect players, which tells me they are probably unlikely to contribute right away. Sometimes they do. Rodney Thomas did that last year uh, as a seventh round pick, but that typically doesn't happen unless you get lucky. So you're looking there for players you can develop. And if you're doing a good job of developing them, they will play, you know, within a few years. But in terms of day one impact, that's going to have to come from those first three rounds, maybe fourth round. Anything beyond that, you got a little bit lucky. And Stephen Holder casting for Bring It On 7, I believe is what um, he was doing over the <laughs> weekend right. in uh, cheerleader Very auditions for the Colts. Yeah, uh-huh. beating me out for that role there. No ill will against him. Uh, Stephen, we'll see you later today up at the Complex. All right, guys. It's a tough job, but you know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, Stephen Holder right there, ESPN.com. Colts in week two of their offseason program. Media availabilities every Wednesday. Next week, they'll actually hold a mini camp. Uh, before the draft, they're allowed to do that with a first-year head coach. Something you know, I brought up, Jake, about supporting that quarterback 
Steven mentioned it right there. I mean, after Andrew Luck, you went tight end Fleener, tight end Dwayne Allen, traded back into the third round for T.Y. Hilton. Then on day three, you went Vic Ballard and LeVon Brazil. You, you continued to go running back. about LeVon Brazil? And receiver. Uh, remember that Detroit comeback? That wild yeah. game where actually Kevin Lee was on Kevin the call. Kevin Lee, yeah, that's uh-huh. right. Bob Lamey was out, yep. Um, LeVon Brazil had the touchdown that kind of spearheaded that. But uh, you know this full well. Look at the Peyton draft. Jerome Payton, E.G. Green, and Steve McKinney. Yep. First three picks right after Peyton. So think about that. When you drafted generational QB in 98, generational QB in 2012, you then didn't mess around with the next you know, handful of picks with Grigson, trio of picks with Polian, and making sure that you tried to support that quarterback as best you could. Again, right now, if you look at the Colts roster, corner, corner, corner. I mean, jumps off the page at you in terms of biggest need, but the philosophy of you do everything you can to support the QB, that probably is the one that carries the most weight here. Bigger Colt draft disappointment, EJ Green or TJ Green? Or no, EG Green or TJ Green? Boy, you can probably speak to this better. Um, I would say TJ just because he was the earlier pick, right? EG was a third rounder? I think that's right. But it was the fact that EG Green was out of Florida State. He was a receiver. And it was like, man, he got Peyton Manning. Peyton was a pretty good player, to be honest with you. I mean, he was a yeah, nice... Yeah, Peyton had a nice, but, but nice stunt. EG Green just couldn't stay... No fault of his, he just couldn't stay healthy. Yeah, TJ Green just would get personal foul penalties after personal foul penalties. <laughs> yeah. He looked good. He did. You talk about, you know, eye black and batting gloves and maybe, you know, a couple of uh, necklaces. That's a Clemson product, Jake, TJ Green. Yeah, and I can't recall, so correct me here, Kevin, was it that he was primarily safety at Clemson and they put him at corner, or he was primarily corner at Clemson and they tried him at safety? Yeah, I think the latter. There were several NFL teams that thought he was better suited as a corner, so I think Seattle maybe gave him a crack there. At one point, very fitting with your Seahawks gear right now. That's a Sean Alexander Seahawks looking shirt right there. This is, um, yeah, this is like the old school Seahawks. I just mm-hmm. lo- like I'm not a fan of the Seahawks per se, but I love their. I just love their old logo. I think it's such a cool logo, man. Jed says, if quarterback is this important, take a quarterback at four and then take Hendon Hooker later too. I've at, call me crazy. I've actually thought about that. How do I've you evaluate them? I've actually thought about, like, is it worth taking two quarterbacks and just seeing which one's better? Going the RG3 Kirk Cousins route? I just think there's no way to, like, properly evaluate them. Isn't it always awkward? I mean, practice time, right? And then quarterback by committee never works, but. Uh, Kristen Peak talk a little NBA draft. Coming up around. I want to know about Gary. 940. Gary oh. the dog. Is it, Are we sure it's Gary? Pretty sure it's Gary. I did think it was kind of an older human name. Just ask her, how's Gary doing, and see what she says. <laughs> she was like, huh? What if, what if oh, yeah. We what broke she, up back in March. Yeah, but thanks say, for what if she was dating a guy named Gary? Mm-hmm. Speaking of Gary, I watched a million little things last night. I got caught up on it. Uh, I'm, the, I'm convinced that we are the last two people on earth still watching that show. I've never is seen Is there anybody, I would like to know, uh, it's time to shout out my cell phone. I haven't done that in a while. I cleaned out my cell phone messages last night, so I've got open real estate here. Uh, 317-523-9288 is my cell number. For a second there, I thought you only get like 200 a month and you were just clearing them out for the rest of April. <laughs> it's, I'm on the 1998 yeah. plan. 317 523 
9288 is my cell. I like when people text me, but I'm curious if anybody besides the two of us are watching the TV show A Million Little Things. I, I think we're the last two. But sit, you could just send me a text to say hello. I'd like to know that you're listening. Shout out to the YouTube chat, too. They're always, uh, always dedicated, energy dedicated folks in there. Through the roof in the YouTube chat. And I do have feeling back of my toes. Well, that's Excuse good. me? I have feeling back of my toes. Was it cold in here? His trip over the curb. <laughs> For those that have been He's curious about that. He's trying to toes, God. Just wait. What are you, 35? Uh, 33. You always make his age more than he is. I always think you were, I thought you were born in, what year were you born? How many times have we had this discussion, you think, Mark? Uh, many. Uh, born in 89. Kevin gives off old we? man we're in, vibes, we're in, that's why. Okay, so you'll be 34 this year. Correct, yeah, okay. 34 I'll in September. It, I'll get it figured out eventually. Uh, you would think Every 40th, Kev. After what we did for Jake's 50th, he would maybe remember when, when the other birthdays it, are. When he turns 50, then everything's clouded. Every, you guys are all young bucks. I'm like, okay, 30, 35, it's all the same. Interchangeable. Morning check down. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We're going to go with a total curveball here to start out, which means not baseball, but rather we'll go with hockey again because we talked about it earlier. How about the Indy Fuel, by the way, getting set? You said Friday. Their playoffs are underway, right? On the road Friday. Home next Tuesday and Thursday there. And by the way, I have picked my uh, team. Okay. NHL team. I've gone to two uh, NHL games in my life. One of the Coyotes, I don't even know if they're in existence anymore. The other team was the Avalanche, so I will go with the Avs. That's cool. Uh, Avalanche is cool. That means that you are head-to-head now because you have adopted Seattle, correct? Well, I I said the Lightning, who are a sixth seed, and you guys are like, oh, what a front runner. They're the sixth seed. I think the history of the Lightning indicates And this is the time of the year where the Lightning strikes, right? Lightning last night, 7-3 over the Toronto Maple Leafs. As a matter of fact, road teams winning every game last night in the Stanley Cup playoffs. This is the opening round. All teams going up one love. New York Rangers 5-1 over the Devils. Putty very upset, but did paint his face. Jets over the Golden Knights 5-1 in the Seattle. Again, Kraken? Kraken? Kraken. 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 Seattle Kraken. They pronounce it Kraken. Not just like us in Indiana. No, I and I know a Kraken's a mythical figure of the sea. I, I know what it all is. 3-1 over the Colorado, Kevin's Colorado Avalanche. So who I'm, was your team? Well, here's the thing. I've always kind of liked the Islanders just because it's like the lesser team in New York, and they were really good when I was really, really, really little. But in 94, when I was an intern in New York, I got to go to one hockey game. I went to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals in 94 between the Rangers and the Vancouver Canucks. And the Rangers won the Stanley Cup. You would think that that would have made me like a diehard. I was just there kind of for the experience. But nostalgically speaking, I kind of like the Rangers. But how can I say Rangers and Islanders both? Yeah. It's like, I mean, yeah. You know what I mean? Yankees a bit. But I have an Islanders hat, so I guess I'll go Islanders. I'm staying with the Lightning. Forget you guys. Shout out to the pride of Elwood, Blake Courtney, who I lived next to freshman year. Uh, he reminded me that Jack Johnson uh, for the Avs, born in Indiana. Born in Indianapolis. Really? Is he a pork tutor kid? Is that right? Uh, no, he moved very uh, shortly. Okay, to, or I'm thinking. Um, of, I know Jaron Jackson was, but I was thinking there was somebody. Michigan there. bubble toes, Jack Johnson. What's that? The 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 singer. I was say, when you Google Jack Johnson, you don't get the Avalanche. I thought player. bubble toes was what Kevin had yesterday after tripping over the curb. I missed a curb. <laughs> <laughs> the NBA last night, all the home teams got it done. Celtics, Cavs, and Suns. For the Cavs and Suns, very important to even those series up at one tonight. Lakers. 
Grizz. Lakers looking to go up 2-0 on the road. We'll see about John Morant's status. Things sound very iffy for Giannis Antetokounmpo playing game two against the Heat. Of course, Milwaukee already down 1-0 at home. When's the last time a one seed's been down 2-0 in the playoffs? Hmm. Was Denver? Or, or was Denver up 2 nothing when they knocked out Seattle? Seattle, yeah. What, speaking of Denver... The Kemba Matumbo back then. Nikola Jokic tonight looking to go up 2-0 on the T-Wolves. And again, Draymond Green with the NBA mentioning that his past history contributing to it, suspended for tomorrow night's Game 3. So for those in the NBA does everything to cater to the big market, you know, dream teams, et cetera, et cetera, this doesn't fit that narrative. By the way, good morning, Eli. Jake, my nine-year-old, wanted me to let you know that we're listening in line to the drop-off at school. His name is Eli, if you can give him a shout-out. Eli, good Eli! morning to you, man. What a great day to be outside, Eli. Listen, Recess is going to be awesome. <laughs> Listen to your teachers, pay attention in class, and thank you for listening on your way into school. Cardinals uh, yesterday losing to the Arizona Diamondbacks 8-7 in Major League Baseball. Guardians and Tigers splitting. Oh, no, I take that back. Tigers sweeping a doubleheader over the Guardians. Wins, right? What's that? A couple one-run wins for the Tigers, That's right? That's right. 4-3 and one love over the Cleveland Guardians. Reds blanked by the race, 10-0. Well, where are you going to go? <laughs> Phillies and White Sox splitting a doubleheader. Cubs over the Athletics, 4-0. Cute fella, 1-0 over the Washington Nationals. And the Indianapolis Indians on the short end against Memphis, 5-4. The Redbirds I, I think Kevin meant when we picked teams, he was trying to think who was going to finish worse. So that's why he picked the Athletics because they're on the way. to They're going to get to 20 losses before... Anybody but remember last it. year we thought the Reds were going to go like 26 and 160 or something? Mm-hmm. And I just want to be charitable, a little bit philanthropic, help you guys out with Yeah, you've won all of these wins. challenges we've done, so yeah. it's nice of you to, it's good to spread you know, it around a little bit. Give the six-packs to some other people there on that front. Uh, Jake, tomorrow the weather does look really good for the Oval Test over there at IMS. Yeah, testing on Thursday and Friday. Friday looks like it's going to be ugly. a little more dicey, but... Um, Good chance to go out. I think you can go on the viewing mounds. We will also carry all of it live at IndyCar.com. Saw Scott McLaughlin tweeted, 30-mile-per-hour winds tomorrow on the Oval. That could be a little interesting for the first time in 2023 for the cars to get out there on the Oval. The decal going up on the JW Marriott yesterday. It was a cool sight to see there. So the month of May inching closer. Uh, It is a beautiful start to this Wednesday. Going to feel like summer, uh, I think, today and tomorrow. Um, Kevin and Corey. On the other side, 93.5107.5, The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. By the way, I wanted to read this text, and thank you for everybody that's been texting me this morning, which I always enjoy. Um, somebody did write, and they said, Jake, I've been a big fan. I enjoy listening to you, but I have no idea what you look like. So I said, I mean, naturally, I'm kind of a cross between Clooney and Brad Pitt. Mm. Is that a fair? Mm. Shocking there. Yeah. Tim Clooney and Arthur Pitt. <laughs> How'd you know? Chester Pitts, a former Chester oh, Pitts offensive lineman. From, okay, not mistaken there. So I've been compared. Then I would say yes, you, that's accurate. You send yeah. a little selfie. I did not send a selfie. Oh, why? Did the, the, the duck lips and the peace sign? Isn't that what they were asking? 
Um, and we are available on the YouTube stream if you want to check out. That's right. Yeah, exactly. There. Plenty of places to see what we look like. Social media. You know. As well. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Again, it is a beautiful Wednesday here in Indy. Uh, Jake, this supposed souring on CJ Stroud, where do you think it comes from? Do you think it's smoke? You know, it's interesting because I hadn't really thought about it until I pointed this out to Stephen Holder, but Kevin, if if there's increased chatter about the coachability of CJ Stroud, that means one of two things. Either A, let's say an agent for Anthony Richardson or Will Levis or whatever created that dialogue. Or somebody in that in those camps did. The, the people that could most easily diffuse that would be the quarterbacks or head coaching staff at Ohio State University to say, no, he's wonderful. He's done everything we've asked. Been a great player. Or the more and the longer it goes that the narrative is out there that C.J. Stroud is uncoachable, one would assume that that narrative is coming from those assigned to coach him at Ohio State. And if that's the case, then I don't think it's in Ohio State's best interest to discuss that. Because we live in a world today in college athletics of athlete power. The athlete is the one with the power. The athlete is the one that that holds all the cards for the most part especially at the big times, the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the Ohio States, the Michigans. You know, these athletes are looking, what can you do to get me to the league, right? And so maybe a 17-year-old kid doesn't have this kind of perception or foresight, but if it were me or my parents and I'm looking to go to a school and I'm choosing between Penn State, Ohio State, Florida, and USC – And I now see the possibility that the coaching staff of the most marketable player in this year's NFL draft out of Ohio State are publicly saying things that are limiting his value. I'm going to Penn State, Michigan, or USC, or whatever those other schools were that I mentioned. I can't see, Kevin how it would be the Ohio State staff that is saying that about C.J. Stroud. But who else could it be that would have any credibility other than those that coach him? They're the only ones that would be able to tell you how coachable he is, right? Well, again, is it smokescreen season? Is it other teams saying, hey, C.J. Stroud's not coachable because we want him to fall to us? Yeah, understood. I mean, if you're Ohio State, you you, you look at it two but, ways. But if I'm Ryan Day, I come out and say, I have no idea where this is coming from, but he is absolutely coachable. Yeah. I guess if you're Ryan Day and you do have questions about his coachability and you have a desire to coach in the NFL, don't you want to be honest with NFL people? Well, but what I'm saying again, and he still has a dozen guys getting drafted. But what I don't I'm think saying is, if for people to come to when Ohio you State. say if there's smoke from teams that are hoping Stroud falls to them, that means that they are issuing a false narrative. If it's a false narrative, it's in Ryan Day's best interest to step forward and say this is a false narrative. But but Ryan Day as the head football coach at Ohio State, when his biggest name in this year's draft is getting this percolating narrative that he's uncoachable, if it is untrue, it is in Ryan Day's best interest to maybe even just a tweet send out a thing saying, we are thrilled for C.J. Stroud and look forward to, to you know whoever has the pleasure next of coaching him. Colts get on the clock at four. Stroud, Richardson, Levis. Where do you think they'd go? 
Stroud. If it was just Richardson Levis? Levis. Still going with Levis? Yep. You know, it's interesting. The Levis stuff that you know I was hearing Colts related was all pre-Shane Steichen hire. So I am curious the Shane Steichen influence and what that would have on the quarterback decision. I mean, I'm a big believer that Shane Steichen needs to have heavy, heavy influence. I think he needs to have more say in this draft pick than Chris Ballard. Um, that probably is a bit of wishful thinking, but that's how I would look at things. But I'll go back to what I said to Stephen Holder. I just, okay, could I see Houston passing on quarterback and or C.J. Stroud to take Will Anderson? Sure. Um, some of it checks out. Again, I, I probably wouldn't do it, but I can get that. All right, I'm a defensive-minded head coach. I just came from you know having the defensive player of the year on my D-line and Nick Bosa. Boom, I can get a player that could be a double-digit sack guy. and you know Maybe the next J.J. Watt type of talent. For our franchise. The one that I can't really understand is Arizona sitting there at three and taking a player that is not a quarterback. You would think that they would just field the trade-up call. They're in a rebuild with um, a new GM. I I don't think they're win-now necessarily. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins supposedly is on the trade market. I get that Kyler Murray... um, you know, it's been in the league for several seasons now. But Arizona's the one where, don't you just think some quarterback needy team is going to trade up to three and take one of them? Like, who is the prospect that would go at three that's not a quarterback? That's not a quarterback? Well, and this is depending on who goes at two, right? Well, assuming Will Anderson goes at two. I don't think we've talked about any other non-quarterback. Probably Carter, right? Wait, would he go three? I mean, is that too risky for what about a first-year GM? What about the lineman from Northwestern? Uh, no, I, I don't think he's been pegged anywhere that high. I know, but he's the best lineman in the draft, right? So if somebody needs a lineman... Yeah, but, I mean... Again, I don't think necessarily at three. I think you could trade back to whatever, later in the top ten, potentially still get him. That, that to me, is where it gets a bit confusing. In that all three quarterbacks would be on the board at four. I just, if you're Arizona, I I think Arizona, Kevin, I truly do think this is possible. So let me throw you something and you tell me how, how much you agree or disagree with it. Is it possible that Arizona thought they had a King's Ransom sitting in their lap at number three, and then as the evaluation process has gone along, Teams that are quarterback needy have determined that this draft has no quarterback they can't live without. You know, when they were fielding some of those trade calls, don't you think a lot of teams were under the impression though C.J. Stroud would be gone? And now C.J. Stroud could be there? So don't you think those trade calls would be a little bit more enticing now? Good point. But... I I just don't... I, I guess coachability, I mean, certainly would factor in... But C.J. Stroud's accuracy and what C.J. Stroud I, did against Georgia? You don't have to tell me. I mean, I, I love him as a player. I, You know, I, we've been talking Levis Richardson, Levis Richardson, Levis Richardson, and I've been saying that I thought Levis was going to be the guy for the Colts. But I think if Stroud's available, that's a game changer. I mean, you could make the case, and I love Bryce Young. I would take Bryce Young ahead of C.J. Stroud. But I could certainly hear people that would say C.J. Stroud has the highest floor of any of these four. I think that is a fair statement. And oftentimes, I think there's so so much nervous energy surround taking a quarterback. Oh, well, you know, he could bust. He could be terrible. This and that. I think with Stroud, you wouldn't have that. 
you'd feel pretty confident that he gives you a nice level, but more of the question, I guess, becomes, you know, from a ceiling standpoint, how do you view that? Uh, coming up in less than an hour, we're going to have uh, Kristen Peake from Yahoo Sports join us, talk a little NBA draft. We'll get back into the Zach Eady discussion as well, as he is declared for the NBA draft, but maintaining the possibility that he returns to West Lafayette. A beautiful Wednesday here in Indianapolis. Kevin Bowen, Jay Query, and Mark Dykton right here on 93.5-1075, the fan. Summer-like outside today on this Wednesday morning. Sounds like that'll be the case again tomorrow. Again, tonight we'll get Lakers, Grizzlies, Bucks, Heat, Nuggets, T-Wolves. Brought up earlier, I mean, I, I assume it's happened at some point in NBA history, but do you think a one seed has ever been down 2-0? Allow me to look this up. Maybe I should have. Mark, what do we do on this program? We educate and entertain. Thank you. And ice our feet when we trip over curbs. Starting to get the feeling back a little bit here. We're back to normal by Friday. Probably trip over one tomorrow down there. Here we go. Uh, the Chicago Bulls. I'm a... My computer went on a smoke break there. In 2017, the Chicago Bulls became the second number eight seed to go up 2 nothing on a number one seed in playoff history. So I don't know if it's been done since 2017. Um, the Bulls at that point Gosh, I have went no up 2 nothing on Boston. And the last team to have done it prior to that were the 92-93 LA Lakers. Now, who would have been the one seed in the West in 1993? Would that have been... Not Utah. Well, I'd say you can guess my age that year, but Lord knows you're not going to get that right. <laughs> Three and a half. Is that right? The Rockets, Suns, Barkley with the Suns? I don't know. Oh, Rockets is probably a good call. Or Suns, yeah. See? I mean, huge one for the Bucks tonight, and we'll see if Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday can do the heavy lifting. Giannis doubtful with that lower back contusion. Look at the big brain on Kevin. Phoenix, by the way, who came back to win three games to two over the Lakers. Gosh, that was back when it was best of five. Yeah. Yeah, the best of five intrigue, you know, if Miami was up 1-0 right now, that, that pressure would feel a little different. I mean, there certainly still is pressure there based off the fact that it's a home game for the Bucs. You guys surprised the Bucs are favored by six and a half with Giannis doubtful? Boston came back to win 4-2 over Chicago, by the way. I, Milwaukee's got a nice team aside from Giannis, though. I mean, you saw what Drew Holiday did here, right? Oh, he's outstanding. I mean, they have guys that can carry them a little bit. Lakers favored by one and a half as they look to go up 2-0 on the road uh, in Memphis tonight. Uh, we'll see about John Morant. There are some fun matchups for certain, and it's it, it does feel fairly wide open. I mean, that's the you know that's the intrigue of the the NBA playoffs for certain is the fact that which is it, not other, an annual thing. Correct. I was just going to say that is not always the case, but you have some kind of good young. When I say young, just different. You know, I mean you're used to the same old players. Now I do think Boston's probably the best team in the league, but. Denver's interesting because they're clearly really good and a front runner in the West. But like, do you really think of like the Denver Nuggets as a team that could vie for? You know what I mean? No, you're kind of waiting for you know them the, to put it all together. Health has hurt them in years past with Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray as well. Um, I do think getting back to Boston 
you know, when the trade happened, the Pacers needed to be done with Malcolm Brogdon, but I thought the fit there was so smart by Boston and Brad Stevens projecting Brogdon into their puzzle because they weren't asking him to start. They weren't asking him to play 35 minutes a night. That's what the Pacers were asking of Brogdon. They needed him to be out there night in, night out, being the catalyst, being the lead guy for them. He doesn't need to do that at all in Boston. He runs the second unit, can still be kind of that lead guy with with that group, but they don't have pressure on him to play first off 82 nights out of the year. And more importantly, when he's out there, it's not like he's playing 38 or 40 minutes. And Brogdon has been able to stay healthy with a dialed back role and is still able to do Brogdon type things, which is, he is. a little bit of everything. He was in a, his tenure here was certainly complex, right? Thought he was a good player, but then again, is he an epicenter player? Then when he when they got rid of him, you thought, oh gosh, that's a big piece the Pacers are losing. I think Neesmith is a nice young piece. And then you get a guy like Halliburton and you go, okay, that that's that's the way that position should be anchored, but Brogdon as a complimentary piece is darn good. Yeah. No doubt. And the Pacers just projected him a little bit too much into too big of a role. Very good way of saying it. And honestly, just I don't think physically his health history can handle some of that. We'll talk a little NBA draft uh, to round things out. Nine o'clock out. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Are coming up here, Kevin and Corey. Mark, do we have significance of this song other than I believe it was in American Pie? No, not really. Every 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 day is a good day to play an American Pie song. It's a good song for the weather. It is. That's a good way of saying it. Good song for the weather we have right now. Uh, Jake, the year is 2030. Zach Eady playing in the NBA? Well, Jake just aged about seven years. How many did I age? 17? Happy you'll 50th, be, Kev. You'll be 35 in 2030, right? Is that right? Yeah, something like that. Uh, the year 2030. 2023 right now for those that are just... I'll say yeah. Under yeah. a rock. I think Zach Eady can have a presence in the NBA, but I am beyond intrigued to see how it all looks. And, like, if he returns to Purdue, you know, I think credit to Trace Jackson Davis and Mike Woodson for this. You know, when Trace Jackson Davis flirted with the NBA each of the last two seasons, a question that I had when he got back to Bloomington was, how much is he going to try to play an NBA style? He's a great college basketball player. But how much was he going to try and kind of show off NBA sort of stuff in improving his draft stock? And Jake, he, he never really did that. Now, you know, you could obviously have the question that maybe he's not necessarily capable of stretching the floor. That's fair. But I think oftentimes you see guys return to school. There is the promise or the hope of, hey, you know, we're going to whatever, put you into more situations that are going to prepare you for the next level, this and that. And again, Mike Woodson and Trace Jackson Davis never really did that. 
Purdue can be an outstanding basketball team with Zach Eady being the same Zach Eady he was last year. But if he went back to Purdue, would Zach Eady all of a sudden shoot two or three threes a game? Like Thomas Bryant? Remember when Thomas Bryant came back to Indiana and all of a sudden that last year it was nothing but Thomas Bryant's last year at Indiana could be summed up with shooting a lot of threes to show that he could do so and then uh, being part of a Tom Crean photo op for 20 minutes after the Carolina game. Oh, I thought you were going to say a um, Thomas Bryant photo op, which, yeah, certainly went viral down in Bloomington there. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. He's had a nice NBA career. SFW, right? Not safe for work. <laughs> That'd be accurate there. I saw he's a free agent. I think Thomas Bryant's going to make some money. Yeah, he had a nice... The, the, the So far, Thomas Bryant as a pro has been a nice, serviceable player who also went viral with a photo when LeBron James was breaking the all-time NBA scoring record that he was like boxed out like three people down low, like, feed me! <laughs> I'm open! Phil Knight just sitting there stoic. <laughs> <laughs> in the front row. Yeah, I mean, he is open. You might as well throw it. Throw that, it is, that, that is a great photo. Like, do you think Edie would all of a sudden shoot threes? I I, I think Edie probably – here's the thing. If Edie were to return to Purdue, I don't know that he – that there's really much that could take place that would elevate his draft stock other than if he were to show a little bit of face to the basket – mid-range game I don't even know about three-point game but mid-range game maybe that helps him a little bit but I think people have a pretty good idea of who he is and what he would be doing and he probably is a situational guy Kevin and by that I mean there are certain players that no matter what team takes them they're going to get minutes they're going to play because they can just yeah that's that's their game. There are other players that Carl Landry. Carl Landry was a really good player at Purdue. He was the best and one putback guy I've seen in college basketball in a long time. But he wasn't overly dynamic. He was kind of a rebounding machine for his size. And he got into the NBA and became a really nice player in the rotation for Sacramento. Because it was a situational, he was a situational guy, and that was the right situation for him. And the players around him, he just, they said, get on the low block and get putbacks and get us 10 rebounds a game. That's what he did. To go on the way back here, it sounds weird, I realize, but Dean Garrett, who was the center at Indiana when they won it all in 87 a billion years ago, but he went to Europe for like six years. Maybe even like longer than that. And then came back and Minnesota signed him. And he had a nice career with the Timberwolves. Well after he had come out of college. But again, it was situational. He had to be in the right situation for a team that knew what his limitation. Okay, you're a rim protector and you can get us some rebounds. And he, he played a long time doing that for Minnesota and had a good career. I think Zach Eady probably is a situational guy, Kevin. And... The, the challenge with that sometimes is you're almost better off not getting drafted because then you can pick the situation as opposed to some team just takes a flyer on you and you go through their camp and you get released and it's too late and then you, you know next thing you know you're you know you're in you're in Europe which is good money I don't get me wrong and then you try to come back and do the Dean Garrett route I think one of the more interesting things with Edie again he's so young in his basketball career. That that has to be enticing. Right, right here. 
Somebody just texted exactly this. Edie being in the infancy of his basketball development shows the likelihood that he will be able to adapt and continue to evolve at the next level. That's a good point, right? And I guess the question I would have based off that, Jake, is just, okay, how how would he adapt? You know, all of a sudden, is he going to get a little bit more laterally quick and be able to switch on to guards? Because in college, if you want to, you can just plop Edie in the paint and he never has to leave it. On the defensive end of the floor. Well, in the NBA, you can't do that with defensive three three seconds. Um, and you see that called on a pretty routine basis. So that would be a question. Offensively, I, I do think that he could have the ability to you know, step out and, and hit some sort of jump shot just based off a shooting stroke. I, I don't know if it's ever going to look like Brooke Lopez, but that would be something that I, I'm very curious if... He can tap into give me, that. Give me a guy that is a college basketball player you thought had no chance in the NBA that's turned out to be a really good player. Or vice versa, a guy that you thought was going to be an absolute stud that, that nothing ever happened with. Mm, boy. I thought Michael Kidd Gilchrist out of Kentucky was going to be the best player in his draft. Yeah. I thought Jalen Suggs was going to be the best player in his draft. I, I would Suggs would be high on the list. I love like that Suggs is a football player in high school. I just thought he'd focus more on playing basketball, and I thought he'd be a great player. I do think he shot a little better here in in recent years. Um, what about Grayson Allen, didn't think he'd be that good. You mean? Yeah, I mean he's still got a role with the Bucks and everything. Yeah, he was double so digits. good in that national title game, though. It was like one of those things where could he just like tap into the role? And he's in the perfect situation. I mean, that is the perfect situation for him there. Uh, Chris it chimes in. Goes Zach Eady will have the same NBA career as Taco Fall. Taco Falls actually looks pretty competent now, but it's in the G League, right? Or where is he now? He's either in the G League or actually, he might be overseas. I think I think Edie has more natural athleticism than Taco Fall, though, right? He plays for the Flying Tigers of the Chinese Basketball Association. Oh. Stefan Marbury, the point guard there? At least Remember selling when, uh, shoes there. Celtics fans like chanted his name to get in, and Brad Stevens kind of did the whole Rudy thing, just kind of, all right, get in there, get in there for a is game. It, is the Flying Tiger, that's like a griffin, right? Or is a griffin a flying lion? I think you're thinking a flying lion there's that, a college sports team with a griffin it's in michigan nickname, right? right i've always said this here here's a weird question for you kevin what animal what is the most common animal that is not used as a mascot for any major college or professional sports team like the one that just no one uses and you're like why not for some reason, crocodiles popping in my head. It's not bad. The crocs, although, I mean, I guess you get the gators, right? Gators is cool. And why are they not the Florida alligators? Why are they just gators? Too many syllables. Yeah, that's probably right. You'd think there'd be, like, more snakes. Like, there's obviously the diamond. Yeah, backs, like, like the cobras. The vipers. or The vipers, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, rattlesnakes would be a good one. Mm-hmm. I, I, okay, snake or spider, which is your bigger fear? Oh, most people, it's one or the other. Yeah. Snake, easily snake. Yeah, yeah. Zero. Ch- like my brother-in-law currently has a hundred mice in his attic. Excuse me. Well, you might want to. <laughs> Where? What's this? Snake in there. What, can you hold on? What's this? Yeah, one hundred mice in his attic. How, did he count them? Uh, went up there with um, some sort of Terminator, 
and exterminator. Like, I'll, I'll, you mean exterminator? Well, extra, exterminator trying to do the termination, I think, was the hope there. So how did they know? Did they just hear the little scurrying? A little scurrying and some, dro- some little droplings around the house. Mm. So they're getting into the house. Correct. Oh, so if, they're in this, if they're in the attic, I'd say they are in the house. Yeah. You now, imagine, like, open that up and seeing that? They just fall on top of you. Just the absolute horrifying scene that is now mice apparently are like they're nasty little critters whereas rats are actually very smart and affectionate right rats get the bum rap because mice people think like mice are like little cute things they're like conniving little sobs and rats are apparently (laughs) fairly friendly and docile and intelligent but they got the long tails and they live in new york city subway so people think they're disgusting It, it from the sound of it it's pretty expensive for such a removal I would say so. Triple digits. Yeah. Cost is rising. No, you just get some you get some of the little plastic traps. Now now are mice smart enough though? What do you want a hundred of them? If you trap them Imagine hearing all those sounds going off. No no no. The little you get the the humane ones and then you take them out to the field and you let them go. What are the humane ones? They have like not the sticky ones. Those are the horrible those are horrible. Those are listen. I'm not sitting here like trying to be PETA, but like the glue boxes are awful because mm-hmm. they say what you want about mice, but you don't want a poor thing sitting there and over the course of 10 days, not able to move and just yeah. laying there dying a slow death. Um, they have like little plastic there goes ones. Boo's chance to have any mice. <laughs> they have little plastic ones that when the mouse goes in and, and you know, it's then it's like a little crate mm-hmm. and you take it out to the field and uh-huh. you release it. Boy, these Aero McLaren cars with the Indy 500, the, the looks of these cars are awesome. Now, here's – so the Aero McLaren paint schemes, Felix Rosenquist is going with one that is kind of the – Mark, head to their Twitter Marlboro. and give that the old retweet. Rosenquist is going with kind of the retro Marlboro paint scheme look. Rossi and Pato – is Rossi's kind of a silver? Um. Yeah, well, let me look up the identification. I want to make sure like, I have the right ones for each one. I will tell you from a broadcast and, standpoint. And Tony Kanan's with them, right, for the 500? Correct. Kanan is as well. Um, From a broadcast standpoint. Oh, boy. Do you not love it? No, no, no. I just want... Sometimes teams, they have cars that look identical. And then you're like, okay, I just need... like. Kanan's car looks very similar to Pato's, I think. So you need something to to be able to identify the differences that are coming at you because you're like, wait a minute. So every once in a while, there will be two cars that look exactly the same, and you're like, uh, I, those two just need to make sure that they are not next to each other on the racetrack, please, from a broadcast standpoint. Yeah, I don't know what it is about their paint schemes, but they just stand out. It's the papaya orange. I like the blue. The blue's cool, too. They have kind of a baby blue that's really cool. Do you call that matte black or no? I think matte black is fair, right? Pata Award, I'm telling you. For those that are unfamiliar, Pata Award is really good. Hell, he could have won it last year. So Pato is going to go with the primarily black on his car. Rosenquist has got a little bit of white with the orange. Correct. Rossi is orange, a little bit of blue trim, and then Kanan. It's black with orange stars on it, or like one big orange star from above. 
great look. And I believe that's tribute to Lone Star JR, who was a big driver for McLaren. McLaren is is a historic team. I mean, it's very cool. And now they're buying. Did I read this correctly? They're buying Andretti's old headquarters, and Andretti's going to go in by the Fisher's Airport. Y- you did read both those things correct. Yes. By the way, R.C. Enerson, since you asked the other day, Kevin, as we get set for the month of May, they're theoretically assuming that there are no issues with anybody. There will be bumping because we now have at least thirty-four cars. Able Motorsports. Getting an entry for R.C. Enerson is a young driver out of Florida that um, has attempted to make the show in the past. The one thing that you can never rule out the possibility towards, I hate to say it, there's all, whenever it comes to the month of May, there are always two things that can come into play. There's always one team that, that you expect that's always around that for whatever reason, they just completely missed the mark. They're just totally out to lunch. The, the setups weren't right, or Gosh, the engineering the, yeah, the wasn't right. The Will Power almost didn't qualify. It, Power's a good one. Kanan's had it happen to him and start in the back row. Hunter Ray had it happen one year. I mean, it, it, you never know. The other thing that, that can happen, of course, is that, and you hope it doesn't, but in practice or in qualifying either one, someone has an incident where they are not medically cleared in the immediacy to be able to drive and then the team just has to scrap that car or they don't have a backup or whatever else so a lot can go into play a lot should the colts take a chance on on, uh take a chance on trey lance why not i mean what what was the injury What, what was it was it ankle or foot he has started just four games in his NFL career. Uh, I mean, not a lot, to be totally honest, in those four starts. 54% passer, you don't love that. Five touchdowns, three picks. Um, but with them going with Brock Purdy, I am curious like, what you could do from a trade standpoint. What that would look like. I mean, Purdy's coming off injury also, though. You know what I mean? Ian Rappaport just tweeted, the 49ers have received inquiries from several teams looking into a potential trade for Trey Lance. The conversations have been the result of San Francisco fielding the calls, not making them, with teams aware that Brock Purdy is likely the future starter. I, It would be risky, and obviously any quarterback. Lance is fascinating, Kevin, be because risky. clearly San Francisco did believe in him and believed that their weight was worth it because they elevated him into that position. But then he got hurt, and you don't really know what you have, right? I don't know that San Francisco knows what they have. And the same is true. Here's another question. Um, yesterday, I'm, I'm out shopping, and guy behind me, nice guy. Oh, what are you shopping a, for? What's that? What are you shopping uh, for? Shoes for the mini. Okay. And so, guy behind me in line wearing a Patriots jacket. Oh. Nice guy. Older guy. And I said, so are you a Patriots fan, or you just have the jacket? Oh, no, I'm a big fan. So, we're talking for a second about the AFC East. And I said, you know, then you got the Jets that I, who knows what they're going to do this year. And he said, yeah, I, why does everybody just assume automatically there's a slam dunk that Aaron Rodgers is their quarterback? That's And that's kind of like stalled. And I'm like, I agree. I mean, where does Zava end up, right? I mean, does he go there? Does he stay in Green Bay? I, that The Green Bay relationship appears totally over with, but then what do they get for him? Where does he go? Well, Network reporting that the Falcons are hosting C.J. Stroud on a visit today. 
of note there, Atlanta holding the eighth overall pick. You know, kind of to the earlier discussion we were having, Jake. I just cannot see Arizona not having some some trade calls for them at three. I, I just, I mean, if you look at the teams, we've been discussing this for several months now, but if you look at the teams right behind Indianapolis at four, whether it's Seattle at five, the Lions at six, the Raiders at seven, the Falcons at eight, go to Tennessee at 11, all of them have long-term quarterback questions to varying degrees. Atlanta, I mean, are you gung-ho on Desmond Ritter? C.J. Stroud gets to three. Ritter's another one, Kevin. Do they know what they have there? But it's not like you you took him that high, Jake, to where you made the indication that you thought he was unquestionably your franchise QB. Right. I am curious if the Colts, and again, Shane Steichen's influence on this, if there would be a little bit more pro-Anthony Richardson than, than Will Levis. I think a lot of the Will Levis chatter, at least from my side of it, was pre-Steichen arrival. And I'm curious if those two are on the board and it's an either-or there, if they would side with Richardson. Well, what's the patch on your shirt, on your on your left sleeve? Oh, Titleist? Okay. It looks like, for a split second there, it looked like maybe you were getting ready to do an oil change. Oh, I, I could see that. By the way, um, I know it's a different location, but for someone that used to live on Browse Avenue, 58th and Browse... I'm disappointed to see Keystone Sports Review moving north. Moving north to Birdies. I love KSR, by the way. Larry is the best. We posted up at KSR for a lot of Sundays in there. Um, gosh, what was the bartender's name? We we loved her. I don't know if she Jen? felt that great about us, to be fully transparent. <laughs> but um, yeah, Great that, wings, that was fabulous great pizza. Sounds like they want to be in a little bit of a bigger environment. Yeah, they're moving up to the location at 71st and Keystone. But there's some sort of oil-ish store, oil chain store going in at the KSR location. I think that's right. So maybe I should work there. That's right, with your shirt there, right? Why not? Uh, speaking of oil changes, Watch Jiffy Lube. What's the curb, sir? <laughs> Jiffy Lube oil change coming up uh, for the pop quiz at 9.30. Let's do a morning check down. The morning check down. On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Been a while. We've talked about it a couple of times, Kevin. What exactly is Zach Eady going to do? Do we have any news? Yesterday we got our answer. Yeah, so declaring for the NBA draft, still maintaining eligibility to return for Purdue. I think important dates now moving forward. I think it's May 16th is the NBA draft combine. If you remember last year, uh, Trace Jackson Davis got COVID right before the combine started. That certainly could have impacted maybe how he viewed himself in the NBA and versus returning to Bloomington. May 31st then is the deadline for those players to head back to um, their respective colleges. So those will be the big dates to watch for Zach Eady. Yesterday, Matt Painter was on with JMV, per usual, outstanding from Painter um, on a variety of topics. Uh, here was the Zach Eady related chatter. You know, he's still, you know, trying to gather a lot of facts and kind of figure out where he stands with everything. You know, I just want him to do what's best for him. I, I think a lot of people always look at it like the head coach is just trying to convince you to come back. And, you know, I look at it like I wish I was in his position. And, you know, I just want, you know, for him to make the best decision for himself, gather all the facts and make that decision and then support him in whatever he does. If he decides to go to the NBA, support him. If he comes back to Purdue, Support I just just continue to help your players. Continue to want what's best for them. 
See, that's the kind of thing a coach should say as opposed to, and I'm not saying it's Ohio State that said it, but with C.J. Stroud, the narrative that he's uncoachable. Coach should be pumping his guys up, try to get them drafted, and, and it looks good for the program. Are you on the Greg Doyle train of if Zach Eady goes pro, they're still a top 10 team? I, I, I cannot go there. I, I would agree with you. I, I, I don't think the drop-off is as big as people think it will be, not because of Zach Eady, but because I think they do have – Really good players down low, regard you know, Kaufman Wren and first, and you know I think they're going to have the ability to make up some of that and maybe just alter the way they play a little bit. But yeah, the national player of the year leaves. There's there's going to be some stylistic change for certain. So ten to twenty. I'd say. Uh, Major League Baseball yesterday, Diamondbacks over the Cards eight seven. It was the Rays over the Reds ten nothing. White Sox and Philadelphia Phillies splitting a doubleheader. The Cubs over the Athletics for love. Detroit sweeping Cleveland in a doubleheader. The Baltimore Orioles over Washington one nothing, And the Indianapolis Indians 5-4 losers to the Memphis Redbirds. Last night in the NBA, all the home teams won. Celtics controlled the Hawks. Malcolm Brogdon pretty good off the bench. Speaking of former Pacers, Karis LeVert really good off the bench for Cleveland. Darius Garland as well. Donovan Mitchell kind of more of a facilitator for them. 13 assists for Mitchell. Yeah, that's a big number for him. Cavs thumped the Knicks there to even up that series at 1-1. And then in the nightcap, Devin Booker was at 38 for him. Yep. Big night for Devin Booker as the Suns even up that series. Looking ahead to tonight, you have the unusual first game of the night is a Western Conference game. I guess that's what happens when Memphis is the home team. That'll be a 7.30 tip on TNT. Our coverage um, will be here on the fan as well. Uh, The Grizzlies, slight underdog with John Morant's situation up in the air. They are down 1-0 in that series. Then at 9 o'clock, so a late start for the Central Time Zone, You'll have the Bucks hosting the Heat, trying to even up that series. Again, Giannis Antetokounmpo is doubtful with that lower back contusion, so that will be a big storyline. And then the final game of the night will be in the altitude. Denver looking to go up 2-0 on the T-Wolves. And Draymond Green suspended for Game 3. The NBA announced that late last night and made it very clear in the press release issued by a former bad boy in Joe Dumars saying that Draymond Green's past history impacted this decision. And probably his taunting of the entire situation yeah. when it happened. Right? With Adam Silver in attendance, by the way. Uh, uh, 239-1070 is our telephone number. The pop quiz is next. Your chance at a Jiffy Lube oil change. I've not looked at the pop quiz yesterday. I thought very manageable. Yeah, I'm scanning through it right now. Um, I don't know. <laughs> probably no. Probably, probably really? no. Yeah. Which question do you think I'll have the most trouble with? Uh, four, five. Well, no, four. Four, I would say. Yeah, four for sure. I, I don't think one and five are slam dunks. And honestly, I mean, two isn't either. Oh, I mean, four. We, we haven't mentioned yeah, two at all throughout the show. Four. Gosh, when I, when by I the way, three, four will be tough. Four will definitely be tough. You know, number three here, didn't Delonte West, didn't he have a thing with LeBron's mom? Is that ever true? Supposedly. Delonte West, by the way, I had a friend that worked for the Seattle Sonics and then later the Oklahoma City Thunder. Delonte West started his career, I believe, with the Sonics and has had terribly and tragically a lot of mental health issues. But uh, when Delonte West, they had assigned parking spots for each player on the roster and my buddy said he'd 
go to work every morning and there in the parking lot, it's like there's Kevin Durant's, you know, BMW and there's so and so, you know, Ray Allen's Lamborghini, whatever. And then in Delonte West parking spot was a 10 speed bike, a Schwinn 10 speed bike with the kickstand down, parked right there in the, in his parking spot. Gosh, the, uh, the pictures of Delonte West just Sad. tough to see here in recent years. All right, yeah. pop quiz next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. We're going to talk a little NBA draft coming up, so we probably should be relatively brisk with the Pop Quiz, right? Yeah, that's probably um, a good plan. Uh, Number one through eight? Uh, I'll go with number... We never do five. We'll go with five. Number five is who, Mark? Tom. Tom. Good morning. Tom, good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Tom, will you be able to enjoy this day outside at all? Uh, I intend to. And in what type of activity, if you don't mind? Um, I'm not sure yet. I haven't talked to my boys. Throwing the ball in the backyard? Park no. action? Um, just something outside. Now, Tom, when you say your boys, do you mean your sons or the guys you hang out with? The guys I hang out with. Oh. Gotcha. Okay. How old a fellow are you, Tom? 63. 63-year-old Tom. Are you a retiree? I am. And what line of work did you uh, were you in? Uh, investment banking. Oh, okay. So Tom, now are you... You're too smart for this. Yeah, podcast. I was going to say. He's probably been retired for like 10 years, right? Um, yes. <laughs> Tom, you own property in how many different areas of the country? Just my my house. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Last question for you, Tom. You went to school. The last school you attended was which school? IU. Okay. Uh, so this is Tom, who graduated from IU. I'm guessing somewhere like right around the '81 championship team, right? Probably right after that. That was my senior year. Okay. Did you jump prior, in the fountain? Prior to that, I uh, I uh, was Kevin's uh, cathedral prior to that so oh nice all right uh here we go would you like for me or would you like for your irish brethren kevin bowen to lead you off with question number one kevin okay you know it's called it kevin's cathedral so thank you tom for the ego check for me here on this wednesday morning all right the home team uh that won its nhl name the home team excuse me that won its nhl stanley cup playoff opener last night a, the Devils, B, the Avalanche, C, the Knights, or D, all home teams lost last night? All home teams lost. Okay, question number two for you. Name the Major League pitcher who picked up his 200th career win last night. Was it Clayton Kershaw? Bingo, man. Investment banking right here. Tom, <laughs> let's go. All right, number three here. Darius Garland. Tom scored 32 to lead the Cavs past the Knicks last night to even their playoff series at a game apiece. Garland had 26 points at the half and is just the third Cavalier over the past 25 years to record 25 or more points in a half of a playoff game. LeBron James is one. The other was Sean Kemp, Delonte West, Kyrie Irving or Kevin Love? 
Well, since I was listening earlier, Delonte left. Okay. It's more of just, uh, to be totally transparent, Tom, that was more of just intrigue over the name, not necessarily the correct answer if you would like oh, another. Can I, I get the, uh, okay, can I get the answers again? Uh, Sean Kemp, Delonte West, Kyrie Irving, or Kevin Love? Uh, I will guess Kyrie, I don't know. Okay. Uh, question four, uh, question number four for you, Tom. Uh, true or false, people should be skeptical of Bitcoin. <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, actually, question number four for you, Tom. The first Boston Marathon was held on this date. In what year did the first Boston Marathon take place? And I will tell you that it was 14 years before the first Indianapolis 500. Was it 1893, 1897, 1900, or 1906? 1897. Mark over there is getting a little squirmy. <laughs> Did you know that, Tom? When he said 14 years before. Yeah, there you go. All right. Number five here with no hints. On this day in 1956, the first Major League Baseball game to be played in New Jersey took place. Who was the home team for the game played at Roosevelt Stadium in Jersey City? A, the New York Giants, B, the New York Yankees, C, the Brooklyn Dodgers, or D, the Philadelphia Phillies? Phillies, that's a guess. Phillies is the guess from Tom. Tom, curious, like when you and your boys get together to take part in outdoor activities, what, what are those? Um, golf. Um, you're playing golf and you're going to like it. Your favorite golf course in the city of Indianapolis and surrounding counties? Oh, I don't know. Um, I've played <laughs> a lot of them. <laughs> what a grueling question. <laughs> well, I used to play, I used to play Wolf Run a lot. Woo! Um, and that was not favorite because it's hard. What about um, Bear Slide? Isn't there a ooh, course bear called Bear Slide? Slide? Great, great price tag right that's there a, for a good a golf great course. great golf course. It's also in a different universe. Yeah. Yep. Got, you got to head up to 236, right? 236 Street up there off 31. Um, yeah. All right, Tom. Unbelievable. Jake, he got the first four right, correct? Yeah. He did. All the home teams yeah. lost last night. It was that Clinton Kershaw, Kyrie Irving in 1897. Question five, though, is where the Bitcoin slipped in, right? Like, it was kind of tricky, and you didn't know which way to go with it. Brooklyn Dodgers was actually the correct answer. You blew it! Thank you, Tom. Solid effort. Go Irish. That's right. How about that golf question? You would have thought I was asking him, you know, it was thoughts on... Social security number. Yeah, political views there. Uh, Kristen Peake, talking to me a draft. Kevin, I'm pretty certain it's Gary. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. We, we need to ask her about Gary. Oh, on the canine front? I, I think it was Gary. I hope Gary's still around. Not significant other, but but the Kristen's dog, I believe, Correct, is Gary. yeah. On top of the draft coverage, I was outstanding. I did think Gary was barking in the background last year. <laughs> Kristen Peake, are we totally off base on that, or do you have a dog named Gary? 
I do indeed have a dog named Gary. Um, he's actually quite infamous in the NBA scout executive circle. There, every time I see an NBA scout on the road, it's, oh, how, how's it going? Did you get in okay? Where were you? Uh, how's Gary? <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we don't want to talk, you know, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller. We want to talk about Gary. That's right. Gary's cool. What kind of dog is Gary? He's a Cavapoo, so half Cavalier, King Charles Spaniel, half Poodle. Yeah. He's like sitting, looking out the window, trying to find birds right now. So. Gary's got the life, yeah. right? Gary's got I the know, life. I know. Hell of a way to start a Wednesday hey, morning. Kristen, I want to begin with this, and thank you for your time, by the way. Kristen Peak of Yahoo Sports joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline to talk NBA draft. The Indiana Pacers, we know, you know, they're going to be in the lottery to try to get themselves into the top four. Realistically, in this year's draft, to get a transcendent franchise level player a team needs to be picking within how many of the top pick brand sending franchise player i would say two yeah <laughs> i mean i know um and, and when people are i know i know i made the case for brandon miller at number two but that was more of a fit for a team that's looking for more length and shooting other than um, playmaking and uh, speed in terms of what Scoot Henderson brings. Well, I feel like Brandon Miller actually is designed more for what in, – in other words, I don't think Brandon Miller – I think it's very clear that Webb and Miyama and, and you tell me if, you're, if I'm wrong on this, and Scoot Henderson are your top two, unless Indiana, for example, sneaks into two because I could see them taking Brandon Miller because they desperately need wing length more than they need dynamic guard play. Exactly. I mean, Indiana is a team that would take a look at Brandon Miller. I also think Houston with Jalen Green and also uh, Kevin Porter Jr. there already kind of locked in at the guard position would take a look at Brandon Miller, um, possibly even Detroit, even though I think you could move Cade to the two and just kind of go back and forth between Jaden Ivey and Scoot Henderson. Even though they're very similar players, they also might take a look at Brandon Miller. So, uh, yeah, two is where it gets interesting. And this draft lottery, I cannot wait for it on May 16th in the, in the sense where there's going to be one team that is elated and knowing that this could possibly change their entire franchise and the future of what direction they're going. And then you're going to have two or three other teams that are just like, okay, now what? That, that was a good run. Now what do we do? And then also at 10, seeing if Dallas and what they did the last two weeks of the season if that pays off and they keep their pick inside the top 10 or if they fall to 11 and the Knicks get the pick. So I I cannot wait for this draft lottery night here in, in less than a month now. Yes, seventh. That's where the Pacers are in the lottery standings. Again, the mother of Gary, NBA Draft Insight, Kristen <laughs> Peake, joining us here on the Payless Sickers Hotline. Kristen, as I look at the Pacers, obviously they could go one, two, three, four, um, more likely, kind of seven, eight, nine, somewhere in, in that range. When you're talking that range, in my opinion, considering how poor this team was on the defensive end of the floor this year, that should be a bit of the focus, kind of in that wing four, you know, sort of position as well. If you're talking about defensive minded guys, could you give us a few names to watch that could be in that area? Yep. Yeah, there's two players. One, which is kind of sneaking up further, further, the more, the closer we get to the draft. I'll start with one who's kind of been consistently in that range. And I just saw him in Houston uh, for the final four. I saw him work out. Uh, Jairus Walker, uh, the Houston forward who, you know, when you're talking about defensive versatility, he has it. 
And he's someone who already has an NBA-ready body at 6'8", 240 pounds, um, did not look like a freshman this year in the way that he was banging down low. And his footwork is so good off the block. He doesn't necessarily have that game extended past the three-point line yet, but he's a good enough spot-up shooter where I think that's something that he could develop to. But when we're talking defensive versatility, I mean, he can slide with the guard off the switch. He obviously has the size to bang down low with some of the bigger players. So I think that's one player that the Pacers will probably try to target. And then another player that a lot of teams are really high on is Taylor Hendricks from UCS, Central Florida, who kind of came out of nowhere this season. Um, you know, six nine, two ten. When we look at that three and D position and that positionless basketball that Scotty Barnes has started to, you know, kind of create in terms of with size, they're kind of the similar size, but with Taylor, I mean, he is so good defensively and he can shoot it a little bit better as well. So that's another team or that's another player that a lot of teams are looking at and, and starting to hone in on further up the lottery. So at six, seven, eight, those two players are, are two players that I think that the Pacers will probably try to target. Okay, three players of local interest from a collegiate standpoint, Kristen Peak, that I want to ask you about. We will begin with the one that probably hears his name first. And that's Jalen Hood Shafino out of Indiana. Yep. Probably what, mid teens? Is that safe to say? Yeah. I mean, he finished the season strong. You know, he was dealing with a lower back injury, just that was kind of like pestering him a little bit in the beginning of the season. So it took him a little bit to kind of get into the chemistry with the rest of the guards. But, you know, the one two uh, uh, guard forwards playmaking that he had with Trace Jackson Davis to close out the season really gave NBA teams a good indication of what he can be as that lead ball handler and the way he reads the pick and roll, because that's all the game is, you know, the NBA level, a lot of it with the spacing and, and the reads off that offense. So, and he can make three point jump shots. And I saw him at the Chris Paul camp last summer and he was locking down Devin Booker and Chris Paul and Chris Paul was like, man, he's tough. He's going to be tough in the league. So when we're looking for that defensive mindset, in the league and someone that can guard consistently the one and the two, Jalen Hitchfino has, and I think that's why he could possibly sneak into the lottery. But yeah, that team spot is where he's at. Okay, Trace Jackson Davis, probably early second, safe to say? I would say early second. You know, it always goes with fit. I could see a team taking him at that 28, 29, 30 just to add a little more experience. You know, he's a plug and play guy, a little bit older. Um, I, I want to say that his footwork got a lot better from last year to this year. And, you know, we saw him a little bit more consistent down the stretch. Uh, but, yeah, he he definitely has – every time he went back, he got better. And that's what NBA teams want to see is not any a player plateauing. They always want to see someone getting a little bit better, a little bit better. And that's what Trace did. Can teams – see something from a player after the season is over in other words Kristen with Trace Jackson Davis you know there was a lot of narrative of he hasn't shown enough that he can play facing the basket or that he can score in the mid-range or on the wing and Trace Jackson Davis I think would contend well I didn't have to do that at Indiana so that doesn't mean I can't can if he does it like just in workouts and camps is that enough to sell teams or are they still going to say look we, we had to see it in actual game action No, absolutely. I mean, every year at the NBA Draft Combine, we see one or two players that make themselves millions of dollars. We saw it last year with Jalen Wilson. 
or Jalen Williams, excuse me, who uh, was Santa, was from Santa Clara, and he played his way into a lottery pick and was very, very effective as a rookie for Oklahoma City Thunder. So those those games, those scrimmages at uh, the draft combine really do matter, and teams really do take into consideration if there's a player that elevates their game far above everyone else or if they see something. David Roddy from Colorado State was another player, you know, that kind of laid his way into a first-round pick last year, and that was with the Memphis Grizzlies. So there is still time. There, I mean, teams have not made up their decision yet, by far. By far, they're far from it. Again, Kristen Peak with us, Yahoo Sports, rounding out that trio of locals. Um, we'll see if he keeps his name in the draft. Uh, but Zach Eady from Purdue, obviously, Kristen, dominant in college basketball last season. Um, you know, body types like him are super unique. His fit in the NBA will be very fascinating to see uh, whenever that happens. Um, early talks, what have you heard, Zach Eady potentially at the next level? I mean, it's so it's so interesting with a player like Zach Eady just because his size, like you said, he's so unique. Do I think that there's a place for him? Yes. Do I think it's necessarily on a rotational NBA roster? I don't think right away. I think he's going to have to develop a little bit more of an NBA game and pace and get a little bit more better footwork, especially speed, because they're going to target him defensively, right? And he can't just pack in the lane. I mean, he can, but I think it helps that Luca Garza has found uh, success at the NBA level because everyone was saying, oh, he's not an NBA player. He's not an NBA player. Even Taco Fall, you know, for that, for a couple seasons with Boston, he found a little bit of success. So I do think that there is a place for him. I don't know if he'll get drafted. If he will, it'll be at the second half, back half of the second round. Um, but yeah, just in terms of what he can bring and his skill set is so unique, I think there is a team that would take a chance. Where are we at on the Brandon Miller off the court front? Like when you have talked with NBA teams, their level of concern with Brandon Miller off the floor is where? I mean, you have to remember that NBA teams also have teams of lawyers that dove, you know, so much deeper than we have into this case. So they're doing their own due diligence. They're doing their own background and research. Brandon Miller's probably only going to talk to three teams. And look, it's going to be, it's going to be one of those sessions. He's going to have to answer a lot of hard questions, but because he's projected so high, it's not going to have to be five, six, seven teams. They're, his agent and his team is, they're going to be very selective as to after the draft lottery, who he talks to, but he is going to have to sit and answer a lot of questions as to why he was there why he was mentioned, what was his part, um, how does this affect his character moving forward, um, and everything like that. Because, you know, and then right after that, the the thing with John Moran, I mean, I think the NBA is really taking this sort of thing very seriously, and he is going to have to answer about where he's at right now. I don't know in terms of the trial, like, what he's going to do, if he's going, if the defense team is going to try to, or sorry, the prosecution is going to try to get him as a witness, or I don't, I don't know any of those details yet. But you know, the NBA is just doing their due diligence and scouting him, who he is as a player on the court. Which he, you know, after the news broke, he had 41 points in the game winner against South Carolina. But also, he's going to have to answer for himself of his involvement off the court. Well, I'll tell you what, his in the latter part of the season, the last month or so, especially the NCAA tournament. Brandon Miller's shooting absolutely went south. I mean, it was a tournament. He was awful. Yeah, he Mm -hmm. was bad in the tournament. Yeah, but 
That doesn't hurt them, though, right? I hate to say that, but, I mean, don't they basically draft? I mean, we have seen the potential, right? And, like, enough body of work was displayed, correct? Absolutely, yes. And and I know NBA, I know NBA fans probably just tuned into the tournament, and they're like, this is a top three pick? He went scoreless in the first game and went, I think he shot only, like, 22% from three the other two games and wasn't really effective or productive offensively. And the thing is, is yes, like they look at the full body of work and also he's only 20 years old. So they're looking at the upside and potential and defensively. I mean, he, there was a game against Auburn late in the season. They were down at home by like 15, 16 points. And it was Brandon Miller's defense that turned it into offense that really turned the game around and they came back and won the game. So um, teams really look at the complete body of work and not necessarily just what he does on a big stage like the NCAA tournament. Again, it's at Kristen Peak. That's K-R-Y-S-T-E-N-P-E-E-K on Twitter. Yahoo Sports. Uh, the Combine less than a month away. Lottery right around that time. And the draft coming up on June 22nd. Hey, what breed is Gary? Again, I'm going to look this up. <laughs> He's a Cavapoo. C-A-V-A-P-O-O. He's behaved tremendously by all accounts here over the last 10, 15 oh, minutes. I, he's, he's, he's sleeping. I know. he's not. I, I can't remember what time we talked last time, but I knew I was getting on with you guys, so I gave him a treat. He's like, okay. So Gary's a point guard. He's a, he's a little guy, right? He's, he's like 18, 19 pounds. And hey, listen, his mother just had another litter of puppies. If anybody's interested, hit me up on Twitter because uh, they're super cute. Look at and this. the family from... Families from Utah, they uh, they will bring you the puppy nationwide. They go all over. Wow. So if you want your own version of Scoot Henderson, that's right. Kristen Peak <laughs> right now on, on Twitter, correct? Yes, yes. I love it. I love it. Kristen, great stuff. Um, right now, NFL draft-centric here in this market, but uh, it's another big one for the Pacers. We appreciate the insight you provided. It, it with would actually be more like John Stockton. It's again, a point guard out of Utah. This Kevin, time. Come on. <laughs> Certainly, certainly on that front. Uh, Kristen, thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. That's Kristen Peake right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. It's an interesting note with the NBA yesterday that they could be inviting all prospects moving forward to the NBA draft combine. The NFL combine couldn't be more different than the NBA combine. Did you see that they also, I can't remember which one I was reading about, that they didn't invite to the draft because they don't want anybody sitting in the green room with that awkward, like, you know what I mean? They're only inviting like a limited number of players, apparently. The NFL? I I, can't, I thought it was NBA I read that about. Oh, wow. Two months in advance they're already doing that? Or was it NFL? I don't know. There was a player that I read that like it was, oh, I know who it was. It was NFL. You're right. It was the, the receiver out of TCU. Did he's not, not going? Correct, because they're afraid that he's going to slide too much. Yeah, I saw Drew Rosenhaus like, yeah, I'm sending Jalen Carter. I think he's going to go in the top 10. Uh, thank you not only to Kristen Peake, Stephen Holder, Alan Karpik as well. Everybody enjoy this gorgeous Wednesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on Kevin Court.